Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The lights are out. Curry gets it. The lights go out. The game is over. And we're here to pick up the pieces. This is Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Celtics will hold the ball in midcourt, run the clock off, ball game's over. 120-108, to 108, your final. Boston takes game one in shocking fashion here at Chase Center. And there's going to be a lot of discussion about this one. Shocking fashion indeed. John Dickinson inside Chase Center, joined by Whitey Gleason as well as we open up the phone lines right off the top, 888-957-9570, the phone number two. Give us a call or shoot us a text, 40-16 to 16 Celtics in the fourth quarter. Al Horford went off. Jalen Brown went off. Derek White went off. The Celtics went off in the fourth quarter of this one. And it flipped a 12-point deficit going to the frame into what would be a 12-point victory at 120-108. to uh, Whitey, uh, man, uh, it, it's not too often we are left having to pick up the pieces, as the Open says to this show. But tonight is one of those nights where the Warriors now trail this NBA final Series 1-0. J.D., I wouldn't be surprised if it maybe takes callers a little time to get going here because I think people are still processing this, as Tim Roy said, shocking result. As, as that fourth quarter unfolded, I was trying to figure out what's going on here, and it, it appeared to me that it really started with a breakdown defensively for the Warriors. Boston was breaking down the Warriors with dribble penetration, which was opening up the shots, and then, yeah, they were making shots, uh, the Warriors were, you know, Horford, they were giving him shots. White made them pay for leaving him open. Boston making shots. And then, of course, at the other end, the Warriors, they had to go into the half court against Boston's very stout defense. And then the whole thing just unraveled. That fourth quarter, 40-16, to 16, C.J. McCollum on Twitter said that fourth quarter was a masterpiece. So I think if you're a Warrior fan, you know, if you're looking for a glass-half-full view of it, you could say Boston's not going to shoot like that again. But I think if you're a Boston fan, you're going to say, yeah, well, I don't know if Tatum's going to go three for 17, and they still won. So I think there were some really alarming things for the Warriors that happened to them defensively. Yeah, and for a good chunk of the night, the game really had the feel as if the Celtics were, were hanging around. The Warriors, it's rare to see them lose on a night where they make 19 three-pointers, and especially if they make 19 three-pointers, Whitey, and shoot at over 40% from three-point range. But tonight is one of those nights because of the big fourth quarter that, that the Celtics had and the 21 total for Boston. And you look at the fourth quarter, 9 of 12, mm. 9 
of the 21 in the fourth quarter, and that that flipped it uh, in in favor of the Celtics. The Warriors stymied as those shots were falling, as as you mentioned. I thought the Celtics really able to clamp down on the Warriors uh, in the fourth quarter, but it, it's a rare instance where the Warriors were almost forced to to, to keep up with Boston and their hot shooting. And even though the Warriors looked pretty comfortable for the most part uh, in in long stretches against the the Celtics defense, it was it was just too much uh, in that quarter. And 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 you know you got down the stretch there, and and the Celtics just dagger after dagger after dagger. And in some ways, the Celtics kind of beat the Warriors in ways that we've seen the Warriors beat other teams throughout the season and in the playoffs. Fifteen for twenty-two in the fourth quarter. The Celtics were fifteen for twenty-two. I thought they had a lot of success going at Clay. Uh, I thought, you know, not to blame anyone, but Jordan Poole uh, really didn't have a good game. The Warriors, the way the Rough offense night. became so, yeah, and the offense was so stagnant, and it was Steph, 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 and they needed a lot more from Jordan Poole, and he just really struggled tonight. I, I think maybe to a degree, J.D., the Warriors struggled with the fact that this was the first time in this postseason that they've played a team that really wasn't one-dimensional offensively. It wasn't just Jokic. It wasn't just Jaw, and it, it wasn't just uh, Luka. This is Boston, a very balanced team, and yeah, they sh- you're not going to shoot like that, but they really made it very difficult for the Warriors. The Warriors gave them things that Boston was happy to take. And again, to me, the way they just broke down the Warrior defense in the fourth quarter, that was the key to that whole unspeakable, shocking way the Warriors game unraveled. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. We want to hear from you as the Warriors drop their first home playoff game of the 2022 postseason as they are now 9-1 and one, uh, as they get outscored 40-16 to 16 in that fourth quarter and uh, the Warriors uh, losing a game one for just the third time, mm-hmm. Whitey, in 24 series under Steve Kerr. Uh, 2019 in the NBA Finals, the Warriors did lose game one to Toronto and you go back to 2016, the Warriors lost game one over at Oracle to the Thunder. So the Warriors one and one in those series. They have never trailed two games to none uh, in any series. Not only in in the Steve Kerr era, but even the Mark Jackson era with Steph and Clay and Draymond. They have never been down 0-2, and they're going to have to uh, get a get a win in this building on Sunday to avoid that now. Yeah, 92 to 80 going into the fourth quarter, and I think Mark Jackson made the point on TV four times this season. Boston held their opponents to under 90 points for the whole game. And here they were going into the fourth quarter and the Warriors had 92 and they had a 12 point lead. And then ah, that was, uh, that's gotta be one where the Warriors themselves are struggling to figure things out. At one point, Steve Kerr, you know, early in the fourth quarter, I believe it was, uh, he told the team, look, they're making threes and you know, good for them, but this is our time to make our run. This is where we make our stand. And they just weren't able to do it. It just didn't come tonight. Yeah, and it all started with the, the Poole, Thompson, Iguodala, Porter, and Draymond Green lineup off the, the top, and uh, they they got beat by by Derek White and Peyton Pritchard and Jalen Brown, yeah. Jason Tatum, Al Horford, that group. Now, Brown and Tatum in the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter with the Celtics trying to hang around. I think that was a point where Ime Udoka wanted to make his run with Steph Curry on the floor, and we haven't talked about uh, a wasted 
uh, iconic first quarter from from Steph Curry. The 21 points in the first quarter, 34 for the night. And I think uh, with one quarter to go in this one, I think a lot of the thought was, all right, Steph lining himself up for that that finals MVP. But the fourth quarter goes awry, and and the Warriors now find themselves with an uphill climb uh, in this NBA Finals series. So 888-957-9570. Let's get to the calls. We want to hear from you. We'll start it off with Jay tonight in San Jose. Jay, you're on Warriors Wrap-Up here on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, Jay? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Just want to say I'm I'm just as shocked as everyone else is. Um, I was really impressed with the way – Boston played us and I in being completely honest I I didn't know that they were really that good I saw us winning the series in five games going into it and now I need to go back to the laboratory and draw something up to see how we're actually going to get through this and how we come back from this games like this can really break you you know but I know that we have the DNA we have the nucleus to to come back and try to make a run at this but Gosh, you really got to give it to them. Those kids are playing really, really well, and they remind me of us when we won our first championship. So go Dubs. I hope we can come back from this, but good God almighty, somebody help me. Yeah, look, Jay, the Celtics are good. They're 8-2 they're and two on the road now in the playoffs. They just handed the Warriors their first home loss in the playoffs, and they have multiple defenders they have you know, there isn't a team in the league that has as many good wing defenders as the Boston Celtics do from Marcus Smart to Jalen Brown to Tatum to Derek White Grant Williams uh, all really good uh, wing defenders and then you've got Robert Williams who's able to to get out on the perimeter I thought at times it looked like he wasn't moving well I thought at times it looked like he was moving really well tonight and and made a, a positive impact on on, on this game. Uh, you know, getting out defensively and, and the like. But as far as you know, the point, Jay, about games like this can really break you, we've seen it because we've seen the Warriors break opponents in games where they feel like they've they've blown and, and, and should have won. You know, great games where you make a bunch of threes, you kind of collapse in the fourth quarter, and then the entire trajectory of the whole series flips uh, at, that, at that point in time. So, look, the Warriors have never been down 0-2 in a series. I know this is kind of a new team, although with the same you know, big three core and, and, and Steve Kerr, and, and that this is what playoff series are all about. It's all about bouncing back. It's all about if you're that team that drops the first one at home, uh, you, you suck it up and you figure out a way to win the next one and then you go on the road and you try and win and the Warriors have won a road playoff game in, in every single playoff series they've had in the Steph, Clay, uh, Draymond era. So at, at that point, you know, just you buckle up and, and I think as Draymond Green said, and we'll play it for you later, you, you figure out that you're going to just have to do it uh, a different way. So, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Whitey. Yeah, I'm sorry, J.D. I was just going to say, speaking of Draymond, uh, he said before the series started, he said, we win if we limit turnovers. And the Warriors did, I think they had, what, they had 14 tonight. They had some bad ones, but 14 for them isn't horrible. Um, But they did have 14 turnovers. And he said, if Boston is able to disrupt our offense, then they're going to win. And I think in that fourth quarter, second half, I think Boston – you know, after struggling to stay connected with Steph and the Warrior three-point shooters, I thought Boston's fourth-quarter defense, once they were making shots and they got the Warriors out of transition, uh, they really made their presence felt. So that there's where the Warriors are going to have to figure out, all right, what do we do when we are in the half court? How do we score against them? And who besides Steph is going to help us deliver some offense? 
Yeah, and I, I thought the Warriors were comfortable for the most part. I mentioned that earlier, but I also thought that, that some of that comfort was this was one of those nights, and the Warriors have had a bunch of them in the playoffs, where they were just making threes and making yep. threes at a high clip, and I thought they were making tough ones. And so many times we see the Warriors, they make 19 threes. It's almost an automatic win. So So it really is, I think, an added gut punch to – hit 19 and and have the advantage the Warriors did going into the fourth quarter and have the Celtics run them down and hit nine and 21 to 41 and now the the immediate uh, need to to bounce back so eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero our handyman hero of the game is coming up here in just a moment let's get one more call in here uh, Scott and Concord is next on Warriors wrap up what's going on Scott hey JD Whitey you know really was a classic game Warriors were playing very well, and the Celtics were definitely game themselves. I just struggle a little bit. You know, Draymond's been referred to as the, the heartbeat of our team, and no one is going to blame anything that he did tonight because I love his game. But GP2, I do not understand why. You get him back, it's a classic story. He's been gone for a month. He, come, he should come back. He should be playing. I really believe he would have made a difference, especially when we were struggling to score buckets. I really, really, really think – you're going to see GP2 for sure in Game 2 occupying some of those crucial minutes, especially when we need stops down the stretch. What do you guys think? Yeah, thanks for the call, Scott. They, they definitely need him out there if he's able to play. I think even though he was deemed able to play, though, Whitey, the fact that he didn't play is a statement that you know there's a part of his game, whether it's the, the inability to, to shoot or, or not being close enough to 100% to where the Warriors thought – you know, putting him out there for the first time in, in basically a month, he could he could make an impact. So available, I, I am surprised he didn't get out there. Uh, with Iguodala and quarterback, that's two rotation slots that are taken immediately. You knew if Iguodala was healthy, he was going to play. But but I was surprised that that GP two didn't didn't see the floor tonight. Yeah, I think it must be a matter of him struggling so much with his shot. You were probably at practice. I know he was shooting left handed, so. Uh, to Scott's point, I think it's just a matter of he's just not ready to go. Sure, if if he were anything close to GP2, you could have used him tonight, but that must be the case. By the way, speaking of, he mentioned uh, Draymond, but uh, one of the big questions about this series going into tonight and still going forward, uh, to what extent will Boston be able to play their bigs together? And tonight, you know, Horford was magnificent, 26 points, hit six of eight threes, and Robert Williams the third. you mentioned how... Uh, how active he seemed. He was four for four. He had 8.6 rebounds. So uh, as far as that goes, Boston pretty happy with the way they were able to employ both of their bigs successfully tonight. All right, let's get to uh, our handyman hero uh, of the game. Uh, Our hero of the game brought to you by Handyman Heroes. Handyman Heroes, your one-stop shop for home repair and remodeling. Mention the game for a 10% discount on all labor. It's www.handymanhero.com. Yes, uh, and it's rare that we give it to the opposition, but I think on a night like tonight, you have to give it to, to Al Horford for the line that you just mentioned, 26 points, 9 of 12, uh, 6 of 8 from 3, and, and the big shots that he hit in the fourth quarter, the daggers that, that kept the, the Warriors at bay uh, in that quarter. Uh, maybe you got somebody else in mind. I know I think we were probably going to spend a lot of the night talking about Steph, but I'm just in kind of looking at it, I, I feel like Steph was really the only, other than Otto Porter maybe, the only warrior that, that you would just say hands down had a, had a great, had a positive game tonight. 
Yeah, I you know, Iguodala was seven points his first time we've seen him in a while. Uh, three for four made his only three, and, and especially considering that he he took a knee right to the business. You know, I think you got to give a tip of the cap to him, but that hardly qualifies him to be, you know, a hero of the game. Yeah, Al Horford was mag. There's no other way. In his first finals game, after setting a record for most playoff games played without being in the finals, then he gets to the finals. He was magnificent tonight. J.D., don't you think the Warriors, that's one thing going into game two. It's going to be, hey, we're going to have to close out on him. We can't just stand there and give him wide open threes. Yeah, and I think that was something that really was noticeable was that the Celtics were kind of getting whatever they wanted offensively. And this is something we touched on leading up to this series, just the difference between the Celtics playing the heat and the physicality and the slog and the elite-level defense that Miami can put on a team and that they put on the Celtics in that series, that that playing against the Warriors, even as good as the Warriors have been defensively, and this is the top two defensive teams in the, in the NBA going at it in this series, even as good as they've been, it's just different. It's not the grind. And I think we, at least I kind of thought, it would almost be like the Warriors facing Dallas after they had played Memphis. Like those first couple of games, it's like, ooh, this is this is much more this is much more loose uh, than than what we just had to go through. So I thought the Celtics never really felt they were out of the game tonight, even when they got down, because they were getting good looks. Yeah, and I'd also say this: it's not always accurate to frame players as being matched up like this guy was matched up against this guy because you have switches and a lot of different lineups but I'll say this Al Horford absolutely dominated over Draymond Green he really played way better than Draymond and then Derek White uh, dominated Jordan Poole as far as that matchup goes uh, Derek White was uh, he had 21 points and he was incredible and Jordan Poole had a really really he had bad bad night really struggled in a night when the Warriors needed the things that he's been giving them all year long. 888-957-9570. Let's uh, keep it rolling here. Bobby in Oakland next on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Bobby. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me on, fellas. Yeah, tough night, man. Uh, I just I was nervous about Boston because they have athletes to give us problems on both offense and defense. I know a lot of calls are coming in saying Warriors 4-1. I said, I don't know. I mean, I still think we could win the series. Although Steph was on his game, I would have liked to see get more guys involved. And if Porter was hot for a while, I would like to see Wiggins get a more shots. Clay didn't hardly get any shots, although he had 15 points. So I think we need to be more balanced on that going to the next game. And our perimeter defense has definitely got to improve. But like I said, I'm confident we can still win it, but I'm nervous about these bosses. They, 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 they're going to be a problem. Well, and here's the reality, Bobby, and thanks for the call. The one game tonight changes the complexion of the entire next week, and and here's why. Immediately, game two at home, you're down 0-1. That becomes almost a must-win, and, and I know the Celtics haven't quite been as good at home. The Warriors can, can win on the road. We know that, but but game two, for all intents and purposes, Sunday is a must-win for the Warriors. Like that, that is a massive game. And let's say the Warriors win that game. Well, then you're going back to Boston. You don't have home court advantage. So regardless of what happens, you know, if the Warriors win the next two and they're up 2-1 and they're feeling pretty good, game four has tremendous meaning because the Celtics can then even it at home and they're coming back here for a game five on the 13th and, and the Celtics now know they can win here. And this is sort of anybody's series at that point. So the one thing the Warriors have been able to avoid throughout this playoff run and really throughout a lot of their playoff runs 
is danger, and in particular danger early on in series. The one thing tonight does, it puts the Warriors in immediate danger. Uh, and, and yeah, uh, the, the thoughts of a five-game series, I think at this point, are probably shifting to, well, if the Warriors win this, it, it might have to be a seven-game series now. <laughs> yeah, you said something really interesting, J.D., talking about Boston's comfort level because it's not going to be as physical a series as they played against Miami. But, you know, coming into the series, there was a lot of talk about the experience. The Warriors had, what, 120-something games of finals experience. Boston had none. But Boston was very comfortable tonight. I thought Brown was understandably a little shaky early. And in the fourth quarter, you know, he was fabulous in the fourth quarter going four for six. Marcus Smart had the time of his life. I mean, he looks so like he was just having a ball out there. That time when he went like fake behind us, goes behind his back and lays it in. So that's another thing that I think if you're a Warrior fan has to be a little unsettling. Here the Celtics were. They finally get to the finals, their first finals game against the mighty Warriors. And they were very, very comfortable comfortable tonight even Tatum who struggled with his shot he had 13 assists so they got behind they came back a couple times they were very comfortable tonight against the Warriors all right Dave and Alameda is next here 888-957-9570 your phone calls as we keep this thing rolling it's Warriors wrap up John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason Celtics 120 Warriors 108 Uh, game one goes to Boston Dave you're on 95.7 the game Thank you. It's great to talk to John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason for live from the the finals. That's so awesome. What a great game. You know, I mean, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, the Warriors had it. Dude, Steph was looking like the MVP. He looked like he was getting ready to do his trophy speech. And, you know, I got to give some credit to the Celtics coach, uh, Ine Oduka. Uh, you know, I, a lot of people at the bar even thought Brad Stevens was still coaching. They didn't even know that this guy was the coach. Like, who is that guy? Is Brad Stevens not coaching tonight? So no, not, not many people we were watching the game even knew very much about the Celtics. It seemed like uh, Poole, uh, Thompson, and uh, Draymond, were, their feet were really heavy tonight. I mean, they're normally fast against other teams, but the Celtics' feet look really quick tonight, and they have some size on their bodies, so that's hard to uh, – hard to match up with. You saw the Celtics not make the same mistakes that uh, Memphis and Dallas made against the Warriors, so that wasn't so great. Uh, it seemed like Draymond missed a couple of late free throws. Me, personally, I think this is when we, we really do see we need LaMelo. All right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call. from uh, Dave will go to Tenderloin Dad. 888-957-9570. What's up, Tenderloin? Hey, Whitey. J.D., it's great to hear you guys uh, doing the final post-game show. I was uh, real proud to see my big bro, Bonte, on TV tonight. But uh, anyways, I digress. You know, you, the, war, the take I'm hearing is that the Celtics aren't going to shoot this great again, and I have to agree with, with that. But what I will disagree with is that the Celtics will continue defending like this. Mm-hmm. And tonight, really, you only had Steph Curry and Wiggins carrying the team, playing a lot of minutes. And the Celtics' ability to guard our wings and was incredible. I mean, Jordan Poole had the most turnovers with four. He had a game to forget. Draymond Green was 0 for 4 from the three-point line. They kept daring him to shoot, and he couldn't buy a bucket. I thought I was hearing the clips beat a few times when he, the ball hit the rim. Now, I think the Warriors have a good chance to come back and win game two. I hope they get GP2 out there because – 
even though he won't give you a lot on offense, he can help a lot on defense. And that fourth quarter was, ugh, I've seen weed break down better than that fourth quarter. You guys have a great night. I'm out. All right, thanks a lot, uh, Tenderloin Dad. 888-957-9570. Rough night for Draymond offensively in particular. Really rough night in, in his first finals game for, for Jordan Poole. And look, the Celtics, he didn't play the first game against Boston. The Celtics locked him up in the second game. I know he had a big second half, but a lot of that was was because the game had turned into a blowout and Steph Curry had gone down in, in the the first half of that game on, on March the 16th and kind of some empty calorie numbers in the second half mm-hmm. of that game for, for Jordan Poole. The first half, I thought the Celtics really clamped down on him. And, and the issue you see with Poole is when when teams can come over and block a shot at the rim, he just gets a little tentative. And I think I, I think that's you know, something where he, he is kind of cognizant of of the the defense and it sort of impacts his aggressiveness, I think, in, in all phases. But but to that point though, and we've said it a lot and we're gonna keep saying it here for the next two and a half hours, the Celtics have more good defenders than any other team in the league. That's just reality. Yeah, um, not to pile on pool, but he also had four turnovers, and I think you're right. He struggles against Boston, and he knows he struggles. And, you know, so much of his game is that I think a caller referred to it once as irrational confidence, and you can see it's lacking. I mean, the shot at the end of the half that he took, and it hit the top of the backboard. It's like, oh, my goodness, what was that? So the Warriors are definitely going to need a lot more from Jordan Poole going forward. And I'll tell you, Boston, it's a great point that Tenderloin Dad makes. Yeah, okay, Boston's probably not going to shoot like that. But Boston, from their view, they're going to say, you know what? Tatum's not going to shoot three for 17 again. And they also have every reason to think that Grant Williams will play a little bit better. Pardon me. I know he took a tumble, but he didn't give him anything tonight. And I think he still has a chance to be a real key in this series. So I don't think Boston is feeling like they were lucky at all last night. They made shots that their offense generated by breaking down the Warrior defense. They won't shoot that high a percentage, but the Warriors have to make adjustments. The Warriors can't just say, ah, they made a lot tonight. They're going to force the Warriors to make some adjustments defensively. All right, we're going to keep it going here. 888-957-9570. We'll go ahead and blow out the break here because we've got full phone lines and a lot of people want to talk with us uh, about this one. Warriors now trail the Celtics in this series one game to none, 120-108. to 108. The final story of this one is the Celtics in the fourth quarter, 40-16. to 16, They outscore the Warriors. Warriors led by 12, going to the final frame. And now Boston puts their imprint on this series in a big-time way here to begin it at Chase Center, handing the Warriors their first home loss of the playoffs. 888-957-9570. Big Dog in Oakland is next. What's up, Big Dog? Yes, I wanted um, two mistakes or two adjustments that we need to make. At the end of the um, the, the uh, first quarter and the third quarter, we had big lead. He put Steph Curry on the bench for far too long. Curry is going to have to play a lot more minutes because Jalen Brown is literally shutting down Klay Thompson. He's doing a great job. And my second point I want to make is with Draymond Green. They are going to give Draymond Green those shots the whole series. Because Draymond cannot shoot, he can't make the alley-oops. The only answer and the adjustment that we're going to need to make is either Otto Porter or Kaminga are going to have to get more playing time at the power forward in order for us to beat them because Draymond cannot hit those shots. And 
that, that coach is really, really a smart coach. Remember, they both come up under Popovich. Yep, absolutely. No, and Ime Odoka is, is doing a nice job, and their turnaround, the, the 26 and 6 finish to the year after they were 25 and, five, or, and 25. Uh, he's done a hell of a job. They've they've found an identity really on on both ends, but in particular on the defensive end. And you know, I think tonight is one of those nights, Whitey, where it does become a little more problematic to have Draymond and Looney out there at the same time. Looney was not as effective. You know, it did have some offensive rebounds, and the Warriors at one point were really hurting the Celtics in terms of second chance points. It wound up 26-15 for the game in favor of the Warriors, and it looked like that was going to be a big story. But this was not the, the loony game that, that the Warriors had been getting at, at different points. And if anything, you mentioned Robert Williams had sort of a loony game tonight yeah. where he was yeah. scoring and efficient and really helping in a lot of different ways. I agree with Big Dogs two points. I don't know about you, J.D., but I agree. Jalen Brown on clay is, uh, you know, that's a worrisome matchup. And then uh, as far as Draymond goes, yeah, the, the Celtics are – going to let him take those shots. He's going to have to knock something down. So I thought those were two very uh, keen observations, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not ready to go to Jonathan Kuminga yet. No, I'm not, and maybe a little more Otto Porter. Porter was good tonight, but I think the Warriors have to be careful with Porter and, and some of the, the foot issues that he's had. I think 23-25 to 25 is probably, probably about it for Porter. Uh, I did agree with Big Dog's call with Jalen Brown on Clay Thompson. And, and mm-hmm. look, here's the deal with Curry's minutes before we, we move on to the next caller. I mean, Curry played 38 minutes tonight, and he came back at 9:35. Uh, it was a quick 7-0 run for the Celtics in the first 2:25 of the fourth. It was 92-80 uh, to 92-87, so seven quick ones, and then Curry comes back in. And there was some question, you know, Jordan Poole was was woeful, really struggling. Would Kerr go back to Curry at 9:35 now that it was only a five-point game? And he did. And so, you know, Curry in that fourth quarter coming back at a at a at a five point difference, it winds up being a twelve point margin going the other way. So uh, he he went to Curry. I thought, uh, you know, the other part was you know Curry came out because he had three fouls in in the first half. Yeah. That's why he played a little bit less uh, there. But I mean, thirty eight minutes. I mean, you know, do you want it to be forty or forty two? I mean, I don't think that's the call in game one. Maybe it becomes the call as the series goes on. But I, I will say, Whitey. One of the Warriors, you know, I think planned keys coming into this thing is is their ability to maybe wear the Celtics down as the series goes on because the Celtics play a more limited rotation and the Warriors have the depth and all of these players coming back. Well, at this point, it was it was the depth of the Celtics, really. I mean, Peyton Pritchard, a couple of big shots. Derek White outplayed Jordan Poole tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah. And 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 they they you know made the most of it. Al Horford terrific, and and so the Celtics, the depth was not uh, an issue or the lack thereof in this one. Hey, was I hallucinating or did Daniel Tice make a three? I was like, what? He did. <laughs> he yeah. he played six what? minutes. He took one <laughs> shot. It was a three, and he knocked it down. Yeah, yeah. He knocked uh, it down. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't know that it would have been a factor tonight, but I'm generally in favor of if you know playing a few more minutes for Steph. I think at this point, based on the way Boston defends them, they need him on the floor as much as as they can get him. Again, I'm not saying that was a difference tonight, but I know Tatum played uh, 41 and a half minutes. So yeah, the way the offense uh, was uh, stalling in the second half, more Steph. I'm with uh, Big Dog. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I was having a little back and forth before we hit the air with with Steiny. And you know he made the point, Matt Steinmetz, that you know you look at, at Tatum and, and his line overall, and 
you know, the 17 shots and, and only going three of 17, but he, he stuck with it in terms of, you know, trying to move the basketball. He didn't let yep. a three for 17, uh, to, to quote Stein, he turned into a six for 23. He, he made, he made useful, uh, you know, he, he, he made himself useful in another way, which is trying to, to get the ball to maybe some of his teammates who were having uh, a better night. So I think Tatum on a night where he doesn't, didn't have it and wasn't hitting the three ball, still found a way to, to help his, his team win. Uh, let's go to Joe, who's next here on 95.7 The Game. Joe uh, Pacifica? What's up, Joe? Uh, that's correct. Hey, thanks, uh, Whitey and Greedy. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I have a couple of quick points about the Celtics offense and the Warriors defense. Uh, I mean, Celtics, you know, it's documented that they have a great defense, but, I mean, you know, you look at the box score, I mean, Horford and White, you know, scoring 26 and 21 respectively and being 11 and 16 from threes, whereas Dre, Clay, and Poole combined for 28 points. I mean, I know that those guys for the Celtics won't score like that probably for the next game or so, but they're going to have other guys. You guys mentioned Grant Williams. Tatum's not going to go this bad for the next game. I'm a little bit concerned about their offense being the kind of X factor that I didn't think they were going to be. The other thing, too, is the Warriors, especially in the fourth quarter, their perimeter defense was pretty horrific. I mean, they were, in the entire game, for the most part, they were kind of late covering their shooters, but especially in the fourth quarter, it's, it feels as if like their legs were were a little bit like planted in sand as opposed to like the Celtics, who had just ended a game on Sunday. And, I mean, I'm a little concerned because I'm going to be there for game two, and I'm a lot more worried now after this game as opposed to when I first bought the tickets, knowing yeah. that Sunday is going to be a must-needed win. So those are my thoughts. No, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, this one, this one will will hit you at, at the core. I mean, this one's a gut punch. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no question about it uh, because you're thinking going to that fourth quarter. This is another series where the Warriors are gonna, you know, be playing from a position of advantage. And and look, I was starting to jot things down for the the post game show. You know, hey, all right, looks like the Warriors are gonna win. So what are the thing? Up, oh, Curry, check that box on on the path toward <laughs> uh, toward the MVP, right? Which I feel like there's been, you know, maybe a little too much conversation about that before the series had even begun. <laughs> you know, uh, and and I I do think you know to go to the point that an earlier caller brought up. I, I don't think a lot of Warrior fans, and, and I'm not totally coming down their road, but I, I don't think a lot of Warrior fans really totally understood how good the Celtics were. And we can talk about, hey, Otto, Otto Porter played well and Curry played well and Poole's got to be better and Draymond didn't have it and, and you know all of these different things. Should Gary Payton play, Steph a little bit more? All of those things are true. But anybody that thought this was going to be a cakewalk against the Celtics, really regardless of the outcome tonight – it was probably fooling themselves a little bit. You could call this a gut punch. To me, it was also very much like uh, Tatum's knee to Andre Iguodala's lower, lower midsection. That's kind of how it feels. To, to Joe's point about Boston's offense, I know we had talked, J.D., and we talked to Gary St. Jean about this in the Miami series. Many times Boston's half-court offense just shriveled up and just ceased to function. And tonight, they didn't have that issue. Uh, And I think they were beating down the Warrior defense in the fourth quarter. Again, as I said, I think they beat them off the dribble, and then that got the Warriors scrambling all over the Mm -hmm. place. But Boston also seemed very well prepared for the Warrior zone. No surprise, they knew it was coming. But they played really with confidence against the Warrior zone, whereas so many times you see teams just look like, what's this? We've never seen that before. Boston was ready for it, and they, they moved the ball very well against the zone. 
Yeah, and a lot of wide open looks in particular for Al Horford in in that fourth quarter. Just a lot of wide open looks, almost as if, you know, whether there were some breakdowns. And I I thought the Celtics had some breakdowns against Curry in the first quarter, but Curry was also just red hot. I thought in the fourth quarter the Warriors had had some breakdowns that allowed the Celtics to get as hot as they did. And, yeah, 9 of 12 in the fourth quarter (sighs) uh, will get the job done from three-point range. And 21 for the night. 21 out of 41. Not too often you, you see a team uh, with 21 three-pointers that doesn't win the game, and the Celtics uh, obviously able to get the job done in this one. Will in San Francisco's next here. 888-957-9570. Hey, Will, you're on Warriors Wrap-Up. Warriors Wrap-Up. Great show. Uh, thanks for um, the informed conversation. I, I really think the Warriors have a hard time putting four quarters of high-intensity basketball together. They, they're they vulnerable in the fourth quarter in most games. They usually let their um, opponent come back. Uh, and I wanted to throw this idea by you. Do you remember in the uh, Western Finals, um, they were 30 points behind, and they put in a whole lineup of young guys, and they took the lead. Uh, they were the deficit from 30 down to about six down in a matter of six minutes. What do you think about Kerr using those, that lineup to wear that Celtics team? Have you ever seen a, a, a team collapse on defense like those Celtics? They do not let you lay the ball in. They do not. They do not. Nope, they do not. Appreciate the call. And look, that I don't think that's the answer. <laughs> we appreciate the thoughts, but I mean, that's, you know that's that's something you do when you're up three nothing in a series and you know you're coming back for game five and and you're probably going to win it and you're you're essentially trying to 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 allow your your you know better players your your rotation guys to be able to to get ready for the next game it worked out a lot better than traditionally it does when a team does that waving the white flag at the beginning of a fourth quarter um and look so that's that's just a that 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 was an outlier that fourth quarter in Dallas. Uh, referee that would be, in yeah, Oakland. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. go ahead, Whitey. Before we get, to I'll just real quick. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that would be coaching malpractice to do that in game one of the finals. It would be you know so put those young players in such a tough situation. Well, and, and when when's the situation you're going to do that? You're not going to do that up twelve at that point. You're not going to do it once the game gets close. So when right. would you do it? I mean, let, let's just be honest. There's no, they're, they're, you're not doing that tonight. It, it, right. You're doing that if you're down big. You're doing it maybe if you're up big. But but you're just you're not doing it. R- referee uh, in Oakland next year on, on Warriors Wrap-Up. Hey, referee. All right. Okay. Yeah, what do you got? Okay. Uh, if you go back and you check that game out, we really – was most vulnerable when we went to the zone. They're shooting from the perimeter, uncontested. And when you really look at it, it reminded me of a good scrimmage. At least that's the way Boston looked at it because everything was uncontested. We played better when we played matchup man. One other point, right now, I think Poole has played himself on the deck. It's time to take a look at Moody because he disappeared in the Dallas series. Moody showed up. He gave us some solid time. Jordan, he's not ready for this moment. 
He was during the regular season, but this is big time. Let's get a rookie a shot. He came through in the Dallas series, not looking to score, but he stabilized some of the runs we were on. What do you think? Thanks for the call, referee. Uh, I'm not saying he can't play in this series, but you're not. I'm not making that move either. I mean, look, Jordan Poole was was pretty damn good against Denver. He's pretty damn good the first three four games uh, against Memphis. He had his moments against Dallas where where he really helped you know send the Mavs home in, in Game Three late with a couple of big threes in that series. Look, you're not going away from one of your five best players in an NBA Finals. You're gonna you're gonna win. You're gonna be prepared to win with them or lose with them. And I think and that besides. goes for Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, and Poole. Those five specifically. Yeah, pardon me, JD, but it, they don't play the same position either. I mean, you got Poole out there at times running your offense. Moses Moody's never got, he's not a point guard. So you can't just plug him in because he's young and ask him to make shots. I will say, though, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think that's it. I understand where referee's coming from. I don't think that's it. But I don't know what the answer is. It is, it is one the Warriors have to come up with because, you know, it reminds me, JD, you see this in baseball sometimes. Certain pitchers against certain hitters, they know it's like, I've got a high fastball. This guy can't hit it. And that's kind of how Boston's backcourt is against Jordan Poole. They just, don't they don't fear him at all they figure that they can slow him down they don't fear his defense at all and right now uh Boston you can tell that their guards feel like it's a real mismatch for them against Jordan Poole all right 888-957-9570 let's keep it rolling here John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason it's Warriors wrap up on 95.7 the game Celtics take the one nothing advantage in this series with the 120 to 108 win here at Chase Center 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter uh the Warriors outscored by the Celtics. So let's go to Idris in Hayward. Idris, you're next here on 957 the game. Hey Idris. Good evening, fellas. I haven't called y'all since before the pandemic, but it's good to see the Warriors here. Um honestly, this is the best thing that could have happened to the Warriors. They got slapped in the face, they got embarrassed. And now this is, I mean, I'd rather them receive this now than five or six, a game six. So, you know, they got to play smarter, you know, know, learn how to close out, draw fouls, get a little spread. Like, you're, you're, you've been here a lot of times. Uh, Draymond, Clay, Curry, Steve Curry, they know this. So even it's not about the best team, it's about the smart plays. Uh, LeBron won because he knew that Dre, Draymond Green was in foul trouble and then baited him, and that's why he won, not because they were the better team. The Warriors just got to play smarter. We need the people uh, to show up, but I'm glad this happened because now the Warriors know they, they can't mess up and they got to show their true experience. God bless y'all. All right, appreciate it, Idris. Uh, look, I don't know about the best thing that could happen to the Warriors, but the one thing I will say when you look at the collapse, and I know the Warriors blew, what, a 31-point lead a couple of years ago at home to the Clippers, that was a 1-8 series in Game 2 where the Warriors had a one nothing lead, and that series ended up going six games. But you start to look at collapses. I mean, this is this is a, a playoff game that the Warriors, and even in the regular season, but, but in particular in the playoffs, this is a game the Warriors never lose in the playoffs. So I do think it's, it, it's definitely not nothing. I mean, this is the kind of game where if the Celtics had lost this game in the fashion that they did, it would almost make it where it's series over in favor of the Warriors. And I think with the Warriors being the, the slight favorite, at least in our eyes coming into it, they get they get the little, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt more than the Celtics would. But, but 
that is the kind of game, even in game one, that can flip a series. And I think to a certain extent, it already has flipped a series where, you know, anybody thinking Warriors in five, that's off the table. You know, anybody thinking Warriors in six, you know, maybe it's more like seven at, at this point. Well, to Idris's point there, I mean, if the Warriors had won the first two at home and then this had happened, game three on the road, then maybe I could see if you squint, you could say, well, it's probably good for them. But to lose game one at home like this, you're right, J.D., the Warriors don't lose these games. They don't lose game one at home. So I don't really see that silver lining. I hope Idris is right. But uh, I don't see it there. Here's the other thing. You know, the Warriors, they also led earlier, as you know, J.D., they were, they were up, what, 47-37 at one point tonight, and Boston went on a 10-0 run. So that tells me Boston's very confident as far as what they can do offensively against this Warrior defense. These are two of the top defenses in the NBA, we know, based on the regular season. But to me, Boston is an elite defense, and the Warriors' defense tonight was far far from elite and that could end up being one of the key factors going forward in this series yeah the Celtics able to come back from from down 10 and able to come back after the Warriors I mean it looked like the third quarter and and we've seen the Warriors with one quarter be able to put a lot of teams away they started that quarter 26 to 10 it ended up 38 24 they're up 12 going to the fourth and you're thinking all right yeah, this is where the Warriors. You know, this is what we've seen. It was, it was, it was like the old Warriors, right? The, the third quarter magic. They come out, they 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 put it to an opponent, and then they're able to finish them off. But not tonight. And I think you do have to give the Celtics credit uh, for their ability to to believe. And and look, they've been an excellent road team. As as good as the Warriors have been at home, the Celtics have been almost as good on the road now with the Dubs nine and one. Celtics improved to eight and two on the road. Now, as we start to look at, at this series moving forward and and the Warriors' ability to to fight back in the in the series, the Celtics have been vulnerable at home. And we know the Warriors win games on the road themselves. So uh, not panic time necessarily by any means, but but tonight also definitely not nothing. And it's a game where if you've watched the Warriors over the, the course of the playoffs over these these last you know few years, uh, the last decade really, it's just a game you're never used to ever seeing them lose. Uh, eight at eight yeah. nine five seven nine five seven zero. We got a lot of people that want to want to talk, Whitey, but go go ahead real quick. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, this was like shaping up as a classic Warrior win. They're home. They're playing great. Steph has a great first quarter. They're making threes. They have the great third quarter. It's like, yeah, it's the Warriors. And then to see them collapse like that, it's a little troubling and it's disorienting. As you say, it's like, wait, the Warriors don't lose games like this. So um, series could flip game two, but this is just a sobering, shocking uh, night for Warrior fans. Mark in Oakland next year. Full phone lines. When one person drops, that's your opportunity to get in. Uh, we want to hear from you after this one. This show is for the Warrior fan. Uh, what's on your mind? Let's let's get through this here for the next couple of hours. We're keeping it rolling until midnight. We'll hear from Steve Kerr. We'll hear from Draymond Green. All of that coming up here between now and midnight as we roll on here on 95.7 The Game. Mark in Oakland. What's going on, Mark? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Great show. Um, I sort of agree with Idris a little bit there, but I think this will get to refocus a little bit. But my, my, my main thing is two years ago, morning show, Steve Kerr was on, and you know we're not going to be a pick-and-roll team. We're not going to be a ball-screen team. And this was when Wiseman was sort of emerging 
And that's all we're doing. It's like it's it's focusing too much, in my opinion, is focusing too much on on these matchups and trying to get Curry on a big. And there's no ball movement. I mean, it's it's Curry tonight or bust. It's Clay standing in the corner, you know, Porter standing at the three point line, and and Andre. It is just there's no movement. I mean, back before Kevin Durant and when Kevin Durant was here, there was a little more ball movement. There was more cutting. And I just feel like this ball screen trying to get a matchup, it's late in the shot clock and someone has to then, you know, get a tough shot off. And I just wish there was a little more movement, but uh, it's going to be hard with the Celtics, you know, the way they guard, but, you know, move, move the ball a little bit, not, not just, you know, stand at the top of the key and dribble and try to try to get a matchup. And I just wish we could get more out of clay, but uh, that that's it. I, I great show. And I see what you wondering what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe tonight's the kind of night where, where Steph shooting it at the level that he did, meant fewer opportunities for for Clay Thompson and you know cuz he didn't really have a bad game I mean 6 of, of 14 I do think he got attacked defensively mm-hmm. and and the 15 points overall is is obviously under what you want going in for for Clay Thompson as far as the ball movement and all that I thought the Celtics took some of that away number 1 but I also think I mean you know the, the dominant Clay games we talk about this they're just going to be fewer and farther between. He's just not going to dominate an entire series, maybe at the level that he did before. He's he's going to have a couple of great games, especially if this thing goes six or seven. But he's also going to probably have two games where he doesn't shoot it well, and two games where it's kind of like it was tonight. Yeah, I'm with you, JD. And Mark made a really interesting point. Um, hopefully, I can get a chance to watch the game again tomorrow, whenever, and and look at it. But I agree with you. I tend to agree with you. Boston just they took a lot of that away from the Warriors. And again, it's an oversimplification, but also the fact that uh, fourth quarter the Warriors weren't able to get out in transition. That also made it much easier for Boston to guard them. But I think a lot of what Mark's talking about is a great point. I'm with you. I think a lot of that had to do with the way Boston defended them. All right, Sam in San Jose next here on, on Warriors Wrap-Up. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. Turn your radio Sam down, here. brother. What's going on, Sam? No, Sam? All right, let's go no, to Sam. Max in San Ramon. Max in San Ramon next here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Hey, Max. Max. Hey, guys. I just want to let you know that I had predicted the Celtics were going to win, and I was at Fieldwork Brewing in San Ramon watching the game. I bet the bar. Celtics would win and would win convincingly. I got my tab paid for, and uh, they're going to win this series. Uh, the Warriors just don't have it. The tougher team, the better team is Boston, and I'm a born and raised Bay Area kid, and I'm saying that. Why, well, Max? What call. makes you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Max. Uh, well, frank- frankly, the, the stagnation which you guys talked about when Curry gets the ball, I've also noticed that Boston is just a lot more tougher. They're going down chasing the ball, getting on the floor. Um, you know, they're a little bit younger uh, in certain respects. And they, they've defeated these Goliaths that were in the East. And I think they're saying to themselves, hey, we got, we got rid of these big guys. Now we can do this. And, and, and now that they've won this game, that confidence is through the roof. And I think the next game will be closer, but it's still 50-50. But I still think the Celtics are just going to uh, – end up in seven games winning because of their sheer toughness and grit. And um, it's a little, they've got that little old school mentality to them. I don't know if you agree. 
definitely. And thanks for the call, Max. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. 888 There were multiple times tonight, whether it was a hustle play to get over and block a shot, save a ball from going out of bounds. I mean, Robert Williams diving on the floor. Uh, they, they, they do grit and grind very much in, in that way. Yeah, Marcus Smart is very gritty and grindy. He had a wonderful game. And also Boston, very similar to the Warriors in this respect, they're, they're a pretty selfless team. Uh, you know, they've got their star players in Tatum and Brown, but that team's all about winning. That That's how they got this far. But that's, uh, you know, that's part of being gritty, too. It's all about doing what it takes to win. Uh, we'll see if the Warriors can match that physicality in game two. All right, a couple more calls here before we, we hit our first break. Uh, 60 minutes commercial-free here to start Warriors wrap-up as we roll on here on 95.7 The Game. CJ in Oakland. We'll get Manuel in Dublin as well, and then we'll pause here. But, CJ, you're up next on Warriors wrap-up. Hey, CJ. Very good evening to you, gentlemen. And I'd just like to say for the true Warriors fans, it's not the time to push the panic button. Recognize the Celtic coach is a Popovich disciple, just like Kerr. He has a younger team. And unfortunately for us, Draymond, Clay, and Wiggins did not show up tonight as well as Poole. Kavon and Steph did their part. And hats off to the Celtics. They outplayed them. But the Warriors can come back and win this. They got to just show they can outball them. And they got to play 48 minutes, both floor to floor, and show them they can outball them. They're younger, and they're they're following the same playbook. But recognize for those who are afraid, go rent when we were king, Ali Forney, and see what happened there. So recognize, nobody believed Ali would win that fight. So go on ahead. Thanks, CJ. And uh, all right, good stuff, CJ. I want to sneak in Manuel in Dublin as well. Definitely not panic time, Whitey. I think I think we'd all agree on that. But Ma- Manuel, you're next here before the top of the hour break on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Manuel. Hey, guys, great show. Uh, real quick, coming back from the game. Hey, a couple things stuck out real quick is that I thought we missed a bunch of layups. The very first quarter, we could have been up by 10 easily, or more than 10. Um, I, and I want to say one more thing, too. It's about the, the media. I think the media kind of blown up. All of us got on the Jordan Pool trade. I think he's a little bit deer in the headlights. The big boys are banging against him now. He had some good numbers, 20 points for, like, I don't know, 10, 15 games in a row. It's not all on him. But um, I'm, I'm not overreacting, but I am concerned. So you guys have a good night, man. Yeah, thanks for the call. Yeah. Look, Jordan Poole, he's a, he's a good player, but every step of the way right now, Whitey, is something new. So the fact that he would have a bad game in his first finals game uh, against a physical defense, a, a physical defense that he had struggled against in the regular season, that that's not exactly surprising. It's also not an indictment of of his career either. He had a bad game. Yeah, and it's a bad matchup for him. And real quick, uh, CJ appreciate CJ's call. He included Wiggins in his group of players that didn't show up. I just want to say Wiggins actually had a pretty good game. I mean, you know, I think he deserves a lot of the credit for Tatum going three for seventeen, and Wiggins scored twenty points tonight. You know, so I I, I am not a I'm not going to include Wiggins on my list of guys that that the Warriors needed more from tonight. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We'll come back. We'll get to the Xfinity Mobile text line as well, but more of your phone calls. We'll hear from Steve Kerr and Draymond Green. as uh, We're going to keep this thing rolling all the way until midnight tonight as the Warriors drop game one of the finals, 120-108. to You heard it right here on 95.7 The Game.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Two dribbles through traffic frenetically, gets the ball to Draymond Green. Finds Curry, left alone again. Top side three, got it! He hasn't been that wide open in a couple of months. Now back to Warriors Wrap Up on 95-7 The Game. An iconic first quarter for Steph and Curry. 21 points in the first quarter for Steph. And it all goes for naught as the Warriors wind up losing on the 40-16 fourth quarter advantage for the Celtics. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason back here uh, inside Chase Center where the Celtics have the one nothing series lead. Uh, but yeah, Steph putting on a show uh, in that first quarter, Whitey. An NBA Finals record for threes made in any quarter with the six uh, first quarter threes. Curry previously had hit five. Ray Allen and Kenny Smith had hit five. Before that, and Curry's 21 first quarter points, the most in any finals quarter in nearly 30 years. Uh, Michael Jordan had 22 in the fourth quarter. Game four of the 93 finals, uh, according to ESPN stats and info, uh, also the most points Curry has ever scored in the first quarter of a playoff game, as he had 17 in a couple of different instances, but 21 tonight. And that was uh, the initial Steph Curry, I'm here for my finals MVP kind of moment. But you got to win the series for that to happen. And unfortunately, the Warriors are now down 0-1. You remember Michael Jordan and in the finals against Portland, I think it was, when he went up and switched hands and laid it in. And we still see video of that. And then he kind of shrugged to the scores table. I thought Steph maybe had one of those moments tonight. The fact that they lost now probably means that's not the case. But when he went behind the back and then he, he... he shot that floater where he went behind his back, and I think with his right hand, really high arching teardrop that went in, and then he went down. It was a beautiful shot. And again, it was one of those moments that felt like, wow, Steph wants the MVP, and the Warriors are, are you know, he's scoring. The Warriors are playing Warrior basketball. Things are going their way. And then it all turned uh, in that fourth quarter. And I believe, speaking of three-pointers, I think Al Horford made more threes tonight than he's ever made. Yeah, six three-pointers, the most of any game in his career ever for Al Horford tonight. 
Impressive, impressive stuff. And, yeah, Horford's been hitting threes. I know Anthony Slater of The Athletic did a nice little video breakdown of, of all six of Horford's threes, basically uncontested. And Horford, 46.3% in the playoffs uh, he's hit from, from three-point range. Wow. And if, if teams are going to leave him open, uh, then he's he's been making them pay. And, and look, Horford and Jalen Brown and Smart and Tatum, like these are tough matchups for the Warriors. They they really are. And, and tonight, over the course of the, the 48 minutes, it, it proved to be true. Yeah, one of the things that's a little, again, a little disturbing, if you go back to when the Warrior defense about halfway through the regular season started to break down, Remember, one of the things that was happening was they were getting beaten off the dribble. And I know that the defense really stabilized. And overall, their defense was excellent this year. But Boston, what they like to do is draw and kick. They like to attack the basket and then collapse the defense, and that leaves shooters open. And they have a number of guys like Jalen Brown with Clay on them. They have guys who can break down this Warrior defense. Now, they're probably not going to be able to shoot anything close to what they did tonight over the course of a series. But they had success with that, attacking the basket, draw and kick the the half-court offense of the Celtics, which struggled at times against Miami, was very successful tonight. The Warriors had a hard time with it. All right, 888-957-9570. Let's get back to the phones. We've got full phone lines. We'll keep it rolling here. Max in San Jose on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Max. Hey, good evening, guys. Thanks for taking my call, man. Uh, first of all, man, I was out there tonight for the game uh, in Chase Center. The energy was electric. Um you know, we, we had a caller on not too long ago that was a fan of the Celtics, or I don't know if he was a fan of the Celtics. He was from the Bay Area and, and said he was calling the Celtics game. Uh, I, I wonder how he felt, you know, midway through that second quarter, uh, midway through the third quarter. I, I really feel like we put together three quarters of basketball tonight. Uh, the fourth quarter, um, some long rebounds didn't go our way. Al Horford obviously went off like you guys are saying. Um but, uh, you know, it, it's going to I, – I don't think we hang our heads. I think we we go back to the drawing board and, and, uh, and really try to understand. I, I think um, – excuse me, guys, for saying this, but, um, you know, I think Gary Payton not playing, uh, Bialisa, I think, is a great cutter to the hoop. I think we miss those kind of backdoor cuts um, and kind of creating a little more ball movement. I don't know what you guys think about that, but uh, – Hopefully we get those guys in. You can always find Gary Payton second by the hoop. I think we kind of missed that tonight a little bit, and his defense. Yeah, I think they definitely missed him him tonight, but I think the fact that he didn't play is a little alarming, even though he was available. I mean, that tells you that something isn't quite right or that others with Porter and Iguodala coming back, he, you know, Steve Kerr thought he needed to get those two in and, and, and not – put Peyton out there so it's it's surprising because I think we all kind of thought all right Peyton's really going to help he's healthy enough to go so why didn't he go and you look at at Steve Kerr basically played an eight-man rotation tonight you got Curry and Thompson with Looney Wiggins Draymond Poole played his 25 minutes Porter 23 and then Iguodala played 12 and Mm -hmm. and that was it so I was I was surprised until the final 48 seconds uh, I, I was surprised that maybe he didn't go nine deep and Peyton would be the ninth. I do think there is some concern over just where he's at physically, Whitey, but I also think there's some concern, and we saw this with Draymond and Looney together, and Iguodala's out there, and while he scored effectively enough tonight with the seven points, lineups where there's multiple non-scorers that the Celtics, with their defensive acumen, can really take advantage of that. So I wonder if that 
as much as the health component of, of Peyton, who was cleared and available to play, was, was why maybe he wasn't out there. Yeah, it says to me he just can't shoot the ball right now uh, with anything close to the accuracy that we've seen from him even in this postseason, which would certainly be understandable, but that's what it suggests to me. And as far as Max's other point, Max not the, is not the first caller to make the point tonight that the Warriors, hey, where was the ball movement? And, J.D., I think we agree on this. We, I, I think Boston's defense had a lot to do with the Warriors not moving the ball as well in the fourth quarter as, as they had earlier in the game, as, as well as we're used to seeing them move the ball. All right, let's get to Gene in San Rafael next on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Gene. Hey, what's up, guys? Big fan of the show. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, being at the game, I felt like Warriors played really good through three quarters. I just don't expect for the series moving forward for Derek White to have the game that he had. The Celtics, I felt like they shot the ball really well with Horford and White. You know, they. I feel like we're going to expect more from Poole and Draymond They'll get it going in game two moving on. It is a bummer to lose game one, but I feel like this series is going to be a dogfight. We're going to be looking at game seven, and like other callers have said, you know, they have to increase the ball movement, and I feel like it's going to be – I don't expect Boston to shoot 50% from three moving forward. It is what it is, but at the same time, you know, Steph had a killer game. I feel like Clay will be better. Wiggins also showed up tonight, which is huge for us. And I, I, I have positive, you know, positive vibes moving forward. That's all I have to say. Thanks. Bye. Th- thanks for the call, Gene. Yeah, I don't expect 21 of 41 again in the series from the Celtics. But I think the Celtics would probably push back on that, Whitey, and say, well, the Warriors hit 19 of 45. So this is a night where, and it's a rare night. Look, with whether you want to talk about the collapse, which we typically don't see, you know, this is usually a game the Warriors don't lose when they have that, that kind of lead, especially in the postseason. But it's also a game where they hit 19. Like, they mm-hmm. got out hit from three in a, in a three-point shootout. And so I, I do kind of feel like, well, the Warriors are the team more likely in a series to have multiple games where they push 20 or or get to 20 in terms of three-point makes, they wasted one tonight. Like, And typically we talk, you know, Memphis did that in, in the, the, the last series or in, in the, the second round series where you, know, you, you outshoot a team and you don't win the game. Well, then the next night maybe you don't outshoot them. And, and so I think, you know, the fact that the Celtics were able to turn that game into a win uh, is, is, is huge. Yeah, 21 made threes for Boston, 19 for the Warriors, which means ding, ding, ding. That's a new two-team record for a finals game, 40 made threes. Uh, but to the caller's point there, yeah, uh, we, Marcus Smart was four for seven. Marcus Smart, I mean, at the end of the Miami game, he almost shot the, the heat into the, into the NBA finals there, the way he couldn't make a three. So he was four for seven. And you mentioned Anthony Slater, one of his fine previews of this series talked about how the Warriors are likely to give Derek White as many threes as he wants because they don't think he can make them. Uh, and I know he made some big shots in the in the last round, but he was five for eight. And as we just said, Horford made more threes tonight than he's ever made in any game ever. Boston, if the Warriors don't defend them better, Boston will get continue to get those open looks. But it's hard to imagine sh- uh, them shooting anything close to the way they made him tonight. Sam in San Jose on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Sam. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here. Hey, hi. Big fan of the show. Big fan of the show. Uh, awesome. So Thanks, I, I was thinking, hey, uh, the Warriors had a lot of, definitely they had a lot of a uh, 
turnovers late in the game that I thought were pretty crucial. And I, I think, you know, if we could have cleaned up on these, if we could have cleaned up on these turnovers, we definitely would have had this game in the back. I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, I think overall 14 turnovers is the number the Warriors will live with. I think early on in the game the Warriors weren't weren't turning it over at all, and I think that was a big reason why they were they were playing so well offensively. I'm looking at, at 10 going into the fourth quarter, so yeah, four in that fourth quarter. I, I think you nailed it off the top of the show, Whitey, where it, it became a situation where as the Celtics clamped down and also got hot offensively, it, it really put the Warriors in a – in a more vulnerable position than we typically ever see them in, where it's almost like they're trying to keep up with the hot shooting going up against an elite defensive team. It really was kind of flipping the script on what we typically see the Warriors able to do to other teams. But yeah, the turnover's progressively a problem as the game went on. They only had one in the first quarter, and I thought you know that was that was key. Uh, but six in the second quarter, I, I sort of push back Whitey on the notion. We've had a couple of callers that have made this point. I don't think the Warriors played a good three quarters. I thought the Warriors played a great third quarter. I, mm-hmm. I don't. They did not play well in the second quarter. Uh, the Celtics were able to get back in the game after the Warriors had, uh, I think, a ten point lead. They had a two point lead at the half. Boston did. So uh, and and it felt to me for a good portion of the night. And 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 I don't know. I'll get your take on this. Whether you think it's it's this is good for the Warriors moving forward or not good for the Warriors moving forward. I don't really think other than Steph in that first quarter and, and really maybe Steph's night overall and the fact that they were making a lot of threes, I don't really think they played all that well. And and so is that more alarming, less alarming? I don't know necessarily, but I, I sort of push back on the Warriors had this great game and then, and then lost it in the fourth quarter. I think they had an excellent third quarter. A lot of the times that's enough, but they had a catastrophic fourth quarter that was worse than how good their third quarter was, and, and they wound up taking the L. Yeah, they had that mini collapse towards the end of the first half that, of course, was kind of a preview of what was to come in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. But, I, you know, and I'm sure you're, you're with me on this. I understand the point that, you know, through three quarters, they looked like they were in position to win. You're right. I mean, when you really look at it, they didn't play great all three quarters, but they were in position to win. As far as the turnovers go, um, to Sam's point, and Sam may know this. I know we touched on this. Draymond says, if we take care of the ball, if we don't turn it over, we win. And yeah, 14, you're right, J.D., that's a number they can live with. But in the fourth quarter, four turnovers to, for the Warriors to only one for Boston. And the thing with the Warriors, it's not only the number, it's the really bad ones. I thought they limited those tonight, but there were still a few. There was Draymond throwing the ball out to Looney you know, from the baseline, and Looney missed it, and it was a backcourt violation. And then Iguodala had one in the fourth quarter. Remember that one, J.D., where he like drove? I think it might have been out of a yep. timeout. And he drove and leapt and kicked the ball out like a crazy skip pass that got intercepted. That was one of the worst Warrior turnovers of the whole year, and that's saying a lot. It was a brutal turnover. It really was in a, in a moment where the Warriors just just couldn't have it at that point. Yeah. Because I think they were trying to – they were trying – that was almost the last-ditch possession yeah. of the yeah. game in a way. And so not only did it turn into a turnover, but then the Celtics went down and scored, and, and that was – you know, in some ways, it just became an, an even bigger deflator uh, at, at that point. So, eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Celtics one twenty, Warriors one oh eight. Game two on Sunday afternoon, five o'clock tip, an hour earlier uh, here on ninety five seven. The game. Let's get Raj in San Jose. Hey, Raj, you're on Warriors wrap up. Hey, what's up, guys? Man, like 
Okay, first of all, like we did not contest the three-point ball at all. So when Curry went off in the first quarter, he wasn't contested at all. He was hitting so many uh, three open three-pointers, and the Celtics adjusted to that, and they adjusted that. That's why he got nothing in the second quarter. And I thought we would adjust to the game in the second half. We came out, and we just let them keep shooting, especially in the fourth quarter. Like, okay, Al, For- Al Horford made a few threes. Like, come on, get out on him. He wouldn't stop making threes. We didn't contest anything. And that's what really, really lost the game for us. There was no contesting that three-point ball. If we contested that three-point, the Celtics made all the adjustments in the world to to adapt to what we were doing. And and I just felt like we didn't adjust to anything, anything at all. And all those open threes, that, that's what killed us. They just we, they were shooting open threes when we would contest like two seconds after, like, you know, like – it was just so frustrating. It was so frustrating. But but I felt like we didn't adapt to the game like we should have and didn't make the right proper moves to adjust to the game. And that really frustrated me. Thanks, Raj. Yeah, good good call. Uh, look, the Celtics are not a great offensive team overall. but And they're prone to some really bad quarters. And I thought the third mm-hmm. quarter was was part of that. But, but they were never as stagnant tonight as they were at really at any at at a bunch of points in the Miami series. Yeah, and I think one of the adjustments Boston made again. I want to go back and watch the game again. Some of these things, it's you know when you watch them the first time through, it's hard to see. But I know there was one play in particular where Steph came off a screen and Williams uh, was in drop coverage and wasn't out high enough off the screen, and Steph just buried that you can't do that you know Robert Williams can't play if that's if they're going to be in drop coverage on that so I think that's one thing they cleaned up and again at the risk of being redundant JD to me one of the things that happened to the Warriors and why they didn't contest the threes is because Boston and this is what they do they attack the basket collapse the defense and basically defenders can't be in two places at once you have to protect the basket and then you've got the open three-point shooters and it's tough to go from you know helping on a driver who beats his man and then get back out on your man who's shooting a three so yeah they could have contested threes more some I think they gave him shots that they won't give him but that was a big part of what happened it's just the old thing of basketball I can't be two places at once Boston did a really good job of stretching uh, the Warrior defense out in the fourth quarter Jerome in San Francisco on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Jerome. Hey, guys. I feel like you're doing a great job engaging the callers with your analysis. Thank you. For me, I feel like the game turned early in the fourth with Jordan Poole's minutes with Iggy. Like, it was messy, right? And they got the Celtics started on the run. Like, should Kerr keep messing around with Iggy? And is Poole dribbling too much, which takes Clay out of the offensive flow? Like, like six your two moves and drive, you know, and pick out. On the opposite side, though, Ime called two quick timeouts to make sure his team got good shots and didn't give momentum back to the Warriors. I thought that was impressive. Thank you guys for taking my call. Yeah, appreciate the call. There were those two timeouts, and and I pointed this out on Twitter, Whitey. The Celtics at that point had four timeouts. This was right around the, the between four and three minutes to go, and the Celtics were, were in control, but – those were basically both use them or lose them timeouts. If you, if you mm-hmm. have more than three inside of three minutes, then you lose those timeouts. So Udoka had a couple because Steve Kerr had called a couple extra ones. So he so he had a couple left over 
in his back pocket, and he used them. I think it was back-to-back possessions to to allow his team to get a rest, but also to set up plays and and to make sure that that they were kind of keeping things on track. A lot of times, you don't see teams take those timeouts, even if they have them. I thought it was a, a smart call to take both of those. Yeah, especially on the road when it's like, look, we got a lid on this thing. We don't want the other team to get any momentum, and we don't want this place to go nuts. Steve Kerr, and I can't remember now. You probably remember, J.D. There was a play late, and I think the game was already pretty much lost, but he was going to challenge something, and one of his assistants said, you only have one timeout left. And he said, all right, forget it. But I don't remember which play that was, and again, I don't know that it would have mattered. Um, appreciate uh, Jerome. Jerome very prepared. You know, he was as prepared as, as the Celtics were for the Warriors zone tonight. But as far as that run goes, J.D., I, I saw this note that 17 to nothing run in the fourth quarter, second largest spurt in the closing frame of a finals game over the past 50 seasons. So that's another reason why it was so stunning is because you just don't see that uh, in the NBA finals, a 17-0 run in the fourth quarter. No, and you just don't see it happen to the Warriors with the success that they've had. And I know it's been a couple of years, and, and look, this team hasn't won a championship in four years, and Steph and Clay and Draymond haven't won a championship in seven years without you know Kevin Durant as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's it is a little bit of a, a different scenario, but but we just haven't seen regular season or post. The Warriors have too many games that that they allow to to get away from them. And, and again, Boston, I do think, deserves some credit for that. So 888-957-9570. Tim in North Carolina next year on Yay. Warriors Wrap-Up. Hey, Tim. Tim. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? Hey, Whitey. I Tim, you, you, you needed a moment to process this one tonight, did you? Because <laughs> it's real late back there. I've, I've been battling was I going to call or not, but I'm in there laying in the bed, got to wake up, and I just can't even go to sleep. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to call. Let me get it off my chest. I think I'll be better. But, Whitey, I agree with you what you're saying about them driving to the basket, Whitey, but let them prove to you that they're going to make this shot. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point tonight, we were really willing to lose to anybody that wasn't Tatum, Smart, and Brown, and we did. We lost to Derek White. We lost to Al Horford, and that was a poor plan. I mean, Al Horford won a game against the Milwaukee Bucks, and if you look at all those shots, Draymond Green was flailing his ass out there after Al Horford was about to have a wide-open shot. Al Horford wiped the floor with Draymond tonight. I mean, Draymond, I mean, so I understand what you're saying. Yeah, they're driving up to the basket and helping. But listen to what you just said, guys. 17 to nothing run. After the first two, just let their ass drive all the way to the basket and prove to you they can make a shot. I think it was just, I think the, the Warriors read the press clippings. They saw the seven-game series against Miami. They knew that. They, they saw some of those offensive laws and all of that stuff. And tonight, if you look at that third quarter, we had chances to put a dagger in this team. We go up 14 with a chance to go up 16, and then they hit a three. We were up 15 with a chance to go up 17, and then they hit a three. So this didn't just start in the fourth quarter. We were allowing this crap in the first quarter, the second quarter. And by the time we got to the fourth quarter, it just completely snowballed to all of them were hitting the shots. I mean, we lost to Derek White and Al Horford, and we were content with letting that happen, and that's what happened. We took that same approach against Dallas. Dallas hit 21 threes, and we still won. And that was probably the worst thing that could happen to us because we thought in our minds we can allow these teams to just blow us up at the three-point line, and then tonight we get our ass kicked. So at the end of the day, I think it all came down to defense. I did not see the big, bad, 
boogeyman Boston defense that's keeping us from doing anything. I saw our defense sitting back, on resting on its laurels, and then we just got outplayed, and these guys got hot, and we couldn't come back from that. So I appreciate you guys taking my call, man. Y'all take care. Tim, Thanks, get some Tim. sleep. We'll talk yeah. to you on Sunday. All right, 888-957-9570. I do think the, the big, bad Boston defense made an impact in stretches tonight, but I, I do agree with Tim, and I, I know, Whitey, you've, you've said this a lot here in the, in the first 90 minutes. The, the Warriors' defense was just not championship level tonight. It just wasn't. Right. I mean, there's also this, and, and Tim went down the list of guys, uh, you know, Boston's uh, others, if you will, who played well. Peyton Pritchard, uh, he was plus 18 mm-hmm. tonight in eight minutes, and that's a guy that they couldn't have on the floor uh, against the Heat, and he made, let's see, he made a three tonight. So, yeah, Boston was just very, you, you said it earlier, I think, J.D., Boston in this game tonight was very comfortable even when they were way behind they were very comfortable they were comfortable because they they didn't feel threatened by the Warriors physicality and I don't think they had a ton of respect for the way the Warriors were guarding them 888-957-9570 he's Whitey Gleason I'm John Dickinson we'll pause here Ricky Joe Priest Adrian we're coming to you quick timeout. we'll keep this thing rolling we're going all the way until midnight so plenty of time to get in Celtics beat the Warriors game one of the finals, 120 to 108 right here on 95.7 The Game. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Play fires up the way, no good. Rebound, Draymond wrestled it away, scored and got fouled! That was sheer will on the part of Draymond Green. That was a man's rebound and a man's finish. Now back to Warriors Wrap Up on 95-7 The Game. One of the few highlight plays of the night for Draymond Green. One of his two field goals made. Two for 12. 0 for 4 from 3. He did go to the free throw line but missed the free throw. 0 for 3 on the night. Did miss two in the fourth quarter that pretty much iced this thing, I thought, for the Celtics at a, at a moment where the Warriors just could not buy points. Uh, and he was uh, he went to the line and missed a couple. Uh, added all up, part of the 40-16 to 16 fourth quarter advantage for the Celtics as they flip a 12-point deficit into a 12-point win, 120-108, to 108, and a Game 1 victory for the Celtics. Uh, teams that win Game 1, Whitey, in the NBA Finals, have gone on to win the series 70.7% of the time. They're 53-22 and 22 the wow. last time the Warriors found themselves in this position was the last time they were in the finals in 2019. They lost game one at Toronto and did wind up losing that series in six games. I have a couple numbers too, JD. I don't think they're going to make Warrior fans feel any better, but as you know, the Warriors led by 12 after three quarters Uh, teams this year in the playoffs when trailing after three by 12 or more before tonight, teams were one and 31 the only team mm. before Boston did it tonight to come back from Wait, twelve or more I, down can after I guess? three. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, just, just added. Just yeah. to, was it was it the Rockets over the Magic in '95? Oh no, no, I'm sorry. No. This is this year. This year only. Oh, so, oh, okay. I thought you meant yeah. in the finals. So you may be right. Oh, okay, you may be right. No, but never... we're talking about this year's playoffs. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, Whitey. Do you want to guess again? Do you want to guess no, who did it no, this year I'm, in the playoffs? I'm, no, good. Okay. Uh, the, no, I'll, I'll I'll pause. I'll pause and let you answer. It was it, it was Memphis. It was, yeah, Memphis over Minnesota. And also, uh, how about sense. this? Yeah, fourth time this postseason that a team has made nine threes in a quarter. Okay, this is a fourth time this postseason team has made nine threes in a quarter. It's the third time someone's done it to the Warriors because Memphis did it and Dallas did it and now Boston did it. Yeah, so the Warriors getting getting beat a little bit from three. I think some of that is the Warriors trying to let certain people make certain people beat them from three. And tonight, I think uh, it it wound up biting them, especially in that fourth quarter where the mm-hmm. Celtics hit nine of twelve. Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Let's keep it rolling on the phone lines. A lot of people that still want to talk here. Ricky is next on ninety five seven. The game. Ricky in Boston. What's going on, Ricky? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Hey. Just. Uh, up man it's just very uh i don't know i mean depressed a little bit just seeing how the Warriors came out in the fourth quarter especially with my man clay like i just don't like clay's body language uh, i don't like his the way he he's just standing still at the three-point line and just looking at curry for most of the time and i get it I, he's trying to create space for curry so he can drive in the lane but you know clay I, like what i like used to love about clay that he would just move without the ball right he, and he'll get the little you know passes and he'll just get those easy two buckets but 
today, it was just like, and for the most part, to be honest with you, I just see Clay just in a cell, like a statue. And then he tries to create a one-on-one pass, I mean, excuse me, a one-on-one dribble to the hole, and sometimes he gets it, sometimes he doesn't. He just needs to change his game up, man. I mean, like I told you last week and two weeks ago, if you get the old Clay back, you're going to win the championship, without a doubt. But at this kind of mediocre Clay, you guys don't stand a chance. And they're attacking Poole. Poole's defense sucks. He's, he's, he's getting pushed around um, by Brown. I saw that a couple of times by Tatum. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I know Steve Kerr likes to run the, the zone on defense, and the Celtics have kind of exposed that today. All right, guys, man. I hope call you Sunday with better news, man, because I want the words to win. I want Clay to win, man. All right, man. Appreciate it, Ricky. Go, go ahead, Whitey. As far as Clay goes, I understand where Ricky's coming from. Yeah, he made some some great points about the way Boston played so well against the Warriors zone. But I mean, Clay, you talk about classic Clay, that was um, you know, sixty points on eleven dribbles, right? That was staying in the corner. So sure. I, I don't think it's yeah. Now I know without Durant there and and you know, it's something that Clay has struggled with this year. How much do I hunt my shot? How many more opportunities are there for me? But I you know, Clay, as you said, Clay wasn't bad tonight. He didn't have a hugely impactful game, but he had fifteen points, six or fourteen, three of seven. Um I I I, I don't know that we need Clay putting the ball on the deck more. I don't know if that's really what the Warriors want from him. No, I, I would agree with that. And from the five one zero, looking at the Xfinity Mobile text line uh, here as as you were talking, today's game reminded me of Game Seven of the two thousand sixteen Finals, where the Warriors couldn't score at all at the end. That from mm. Ernesto in the five one zero. That game obviously a much lower scoring game. Uh, I think ninety three eighty nine the final in in that game, but I, I did at one point you know in in our uh, perpetual text exchange that I have with our buddy Matt Steinmetz, I did say the Warriors are stymied. I mean there was a point where it kind of hit them. It hit me almost like it like they just they they knew. <laughs> Like, hey, we can't do anything, yeah. and they're hitting everything. It was a rare, rare time where the Warriors really kind of kind of slumped down and thought, uh-oh, we're sunk tonight. Yeah. Clay, by the way, was their leading scorer in the fourth quarter. Uh, he had uh, five points tonight for what, uh, for what that's worth. And, by the way, great point Ricky made. Look, again, we're not picking on him, but Poole, yeah, the Celtics are very comfortable uh, with their matchups against Poole at both ends of the floor. Very, very comfortable. Joe in San Jose next here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Hey, Joe. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for taking my call. As a pure just basketball fan, that game was very entertaining. Very, very entertaining. But being unfortunate, I'm a Warriors fan, so <laughs> it was kind of disappointing. At the end, they came out on fire. So I just want to ask you guys a couple of questions. First question is, what would you guys change in the next game that would give the Warriors an edge to win that game come Sunday? What would you guys – because Otto Porter Jr. was on fire. I don't know why they took him out. Uh, and then the next question, is: if the Warriors get beat by um, Boston, who would you guys fire? Thanks for taking my call. Well, I'll answer the second part first. Nobody. If the, if the Warriors lose this series, nobody. <laughs> Because I think at that point, you go back and you look at what the expectation was at the beginning of the season. And, and look, 
tonight's not the night for that. The series is not over. The Warriors could very easily bounce back and win Sunday, win Wednesday in Boston, and it's 2-1 to one at that point. And we're having a completely different conversation. And all the pressure is on the Celtics to even it back up and bring it here 2-2. Two to two. Otherwise, maybe the Warriors are, are looking at a clincher. So these things can change fast. And, look, I would bet the Warriors to win a road playoff game uh, in, in, in this series. Uh, a final, you know, in Boston, the Celtics haven't been as good at home for whatever reason as they've been on the road. I mean, that's just kind of part of their deal. So nobody's getting fired. I mean, that's, uh, you know, in, in some ways, and we've spent the last couple of days talking about what a surprise it is for this team to be, to be in that position. You, you, you kind of can't have it both ways. I get, you know, uh, but as far as what would change the, the more pertinent question, one thing that has popped up on the text line, Whitey, and I, I wanted to throw this at you on the four one five Xfinity Mobile text line. When you do, you think the Warriors shouldn't be playing Iguodala? It's something that's popped up in a couple of different points tonight. Well, as first of all, to Joe's point about firing someone, I'm with you, JD. I'm guessing he's coming from the view that the Warriors are supposed to win and they should win, and if they don't win. It's a disaster, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yeah. It's a massive achievement. And well, look, and, and yeah. here's the thing for me. Look, and sorry to jump in on you, but like for these no, two no. teams, if if the Celtics win this series, like it's not it it's not so cut and dry. Like they're close enough, and there was a lot of talent on the floor, and I'm I, I think it was an entertaining, well played game. But these two teams are close enough to where yeah. either team wins it, you're going to be like, okay, they were the better team, they deserve to win. I mean, that's just right. being real. Yeah, yeah. Um, Iguodala really didn't give much tonight. I was surprised he played. I don't have any problem with him playing. But, yeah, I, what did he play? You said uh, we like – yeah, It was only 12 minutes, and he, he had seven minutes. points. It was you – know, hit a three. I mean, it was kind of the – it was kind of the, oh, hey, Iguodala's actually helping him a little bit. Yeah. So, I, I the change I would make is if, if there's any way Gary Payton is coming along – I would want him to play some of Poole's minutes because Poole, I feel like, really is hurting me. So I would that's something I would look at, and that may not be an option if he, you know, hey, I cannot shoot the ball. My arm doesn't work right. And then other than that, of course, uh, this may seem too obvious, but you just can't give Horford as many open threes. Or, I, you know, I thought Boston, they just had way too many open threes tonight, way too comfortable uh, offensively. That's that's definitely what it is, and I think it, it's also maybe – and. and it's try to get into a little bit more of a, a flow offensively where it's not just kind of Curry yeah. versus the world. It, it worked mm-hmm. out when he was hot in the first quarter, but I do think, I do think it was hard for others to, to get into a flow. And it turned out the Warriors, they needed others. It, and, and in particular, they needed others uh, in the fourth quarter. We, we talked about Steph and, and I just, I did want to point this out on a night where he had 34 points, Whitey, and he ended up 12 of 25 into the first quarter. Steph was seven for nine, and one of the one of the two misses was a half court heave at the buzzer. So he was basically six for seven from three before that. Seven of eight overall, the 21 points, and then had the the buzzer beating shot, which counts against the stats. So seven uh, of eight to to start. Let, let's call it seven of nine to start. He finished five of 14. So he was on fire in the first quarter. But five of fourteen over the final three quarters, and you know, in foul trouble a little bit before the half, and uh, you know, he he had a nice third quarter. But but the Warriors were were I think looking for looking. For, it was a night where he was going to have to carry him, and he did in the mm-hmm. first quarter, but didn't necessarily down the stretch, and nobody was there to help him out. 
Yeah, and Boston did do a better job of staying connected with him and getting maybe a little more physical with him. Here's the sticky part, J.D. Um, Tell me how you deal with this if you're Steve Kerr, and and you touched on this already. Draymond Green and Kevon Looney on the floor at the same time. Boy, after tonight, I don't know if I want to do that a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, so then typically what do you do? Pool plays more, and I know Porter is part of this too. But okay, you play pool more. He gets attacked. Pool, yeah, pool's killing me right now. So that's a real, that's a real uh, yep. dilemma that the Warriors are facing going into game two. And if you decide you're going to play Peyton more, then how healthy is he? And, and is he somebody who offensively can be iffy at times now because he's hurt? It's more than just iffy. It's, it's borderline liability. Maybe the Warriors know that. They don't want the Celtics to quite know that. So yeah. you're picking your spots for when you're going to use them. And, and so, yeah, you're kind of caught a, a little bit. So I, I would get, I would see what Peyton's got. That would be the one. And I don't even, but, but again, I do think it's tricky because of the combinations. It's all combinations with Steve Kerr. Right. And if he's going to be like, is he going to be out there with Iguodala? Is he going to be out there with Iguodala and Draymond? I mean, see, and, and that, and that's where it becomes, I think a little more problematic because if you look specifically, Whitey, at like who started the fourth, the second and fourth quarter, this, that was Poole Thompson, Iguodala, Porter, and Draymond. Poole Thompson, Iguodala, Porter and Draymond. Do you put, do you put maybe maybe him out there instead of Draymond? <laughs> I mean, I don't. You know, I think that's that's where it gets a, a little bit tough. Is to you want him to play, but but how exactly is he going to play, and who whose minutes exactly is is he going to take? So it, it's definitely a valid conversation. I think it's one we're going to have here over the the next two or three days as we lead into into game two. So eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Let's go rapid fire. We got a lot of people that want to talk. Uh, full phone line still. Priest in Palo Alto is next on Warriors wrap up. Hey Priest. Hello. Hey. Thanks for taking my call, fellas. I, I just just quick observation on the game. It looked like the Warriors were their legs were dead. I just didn't see any force offensively or defensively, especially defensively, the entire game. And I think they caught up with them in the fourth quarter where they just had no legs. Just offensively or defensively, that's, that's just my observation. I think there's a little bit too much uh, rest. Also, I'm not saying I don't who's going to win the series or not, but I will say this. You have to have some degree of a presence in the paint. And we don't. How we got this far without that is amazing to me. And it just shows me the intelligence of the coaching staff and the players. But at the same time, I think they're going to have to uh, play Kaminga to some extent just to get some vertical spacing. Also, I would like to see Moody as well. Moody really impressed me in the Western Conference Finals. And so I I don't know that the Warriors can win this series because Boston knows they can get in the paint anytime they want to and finish. And the the 21-3 is just a – I don't think they'll do that again, but I don't think they're in fear of the Warriors in the paint defensively or offensively. And they can score, and the Warriors cannot. It's a big Priest, I want to ask you. 
I want to ask you if if Kaminga and Moody play, and you know your stuff, so I want to. I'm not, I'm not really even going to argue with you, but if Kaminga and Moody play, who's not playing for you? I'm thinking instead of uh, uh, when when uh, Poole is struggling, I love Moody's just calmness mm-hmm. in, the, in the eye of the storm. For Kaminga. I would play him over Iguodala every time, almost every time. And I say that because of this. He gives us something we don't, nobody else gives us. He gives us, that kid, if you watch Kaminga, when he plays well, he scores almost a point a minute. And we don't have anybody else that can do that. Down low, he can post up down low and get his shot off. The only other one that can do that is Wiggins. Him and Wiggins. Going forward, I'm telling you, man, Kaminga gives us something no one else does. I wish Wiseman were healthy because if he was, this wouldn't even be a series. It wouldn't even be a series. Teams can take advantage of Thanks, Priest. I pre- appreciate it. We've we, we got a lot of people that want to talk here. I, I'm glad you gave us your thoughts on who would be in and out. Um, you know, I like Moody's calm as well. Uh, as far as Kaminga goes, like I just don't, I just don't see it because I can't f- picture who Steve Kerr Whitey's going to take out of there. Quick, quick thought on that. We'll keep it rolling on the phones. Oh, I just, you know, Priest was talking about there's no inside presence, and I know he was talking about defensively, and I understand that. But I will say Kevon Looney tonight had nine rebounds, six offensive rebounds, and five assists. So I know that's not the type of offensive, or excuse me, the type of interior presence Priest is talking about, but Looney did do a really nice job creating extra possessions again tonight. Adrian and Danville next on Warriors Wrap-Up. 888-957-9570. Hey, Adrian. Hi, how you doing? Doing well. I'm, you know, just like most of the other people, I just, you know, I I watch these games and I can't, you know, just beyond me how the Warriors cannot get an open three. I mean, they they have to work for every three that they get, you know, and all the other teams. And going back to Memphis and Dallas, all these in the game tonight, they're just like, all those, all those guys have nothing but open threes, and they're hitting them, and just um, unbelievable. You know, I mean, I don't understand it. You know, just, uh, you know, just this. The Warriors have to shoot. They have to work for every three-point shot that they get. You know, they don't get open threes. And I'm also in, like the other guy said, I'm moody for pool. That's my take. All right. Thanks for the call. Look, the Warriors are going to need Jordan Poole playing and playing well if they're going to win this series. I'll, I'll just say that. Like, you're not going away from Jordan Poole off of his his first NBA Finals game of his career against a difficult matchup for him, Whitey, as you pointed out earlier, and he doesn't play well. I, I think I think there's every bit, to, you know, of, of the belief that, that he can settle in and, and play play better and and take his lumps and look he's proven that I think to this point in his career there's been a lot of times where he he doesn't play well but he makes the adjustment and he comes back and he bounces back and he's he's been a factor so Dave and Danville next uh here at 888-957-9570 hey hey Dan or Dave hey how you doing good Dave 
on. Yeah, I, uh, I got a bit of a different take, I think, than a lot of people. I'm not that worried. Uh, there's three quarters of just pure Warriors basketball. And then, really, if they push it out two or three minutes in that fourth quarter and don't let Jalen Brown start running all over them, I mean, this game would have been put away. Uh, one thing I think they kind of messed up on was uh, that lineup they had to start the fourth and uh, not really letting off Tatum, who was pretty much being shut down, focusing on Jalen Brown to shut him down that fourth. Uh, they kind of started to let that snowball start rolling and did not have an answer to stop it. So uh, one thing I think it changes the narrative that the Celtics uh, can't close out games. So hopefully uh, one actually did that. I think this happened early. This should hopefully make the Warriors start taking them seriously and realize they got to close out games, which is kind of a, an issue for the Warriors uh, at times. All they need back last season. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Dave and Danville, not that worried. Good. Good for him. I, I'm very worried. <laughs> I'm terrified. Uh, but, yeah, just one game. To the point you made earlier before we heard from uh, Dave and Danville, I think you're right, J.D., and I know I was the one that asked, what do you do, Draymond, Looney, and Poole? How do you figure that out? You're right. Uh, Draymond Green and Jordan Poole have to play a lot better than they did tonight. That's the answer. Yeah, you can maybe play Pate a little more if he's um, you know available, but Draymond and Poole have to play a lot better than they did tonight. And to Adrian's point about open threes, don't you think, J.D., part of that is teams are running the Warriors off the three-point line more. They're focusing on that defensively more than the Warriors are worried about other teams shooting threes. So that's part of it. How come other teams are getting open threes and the Warriors aren't? Part of it is that typically teams are really concerned about the Warriors on the three-point line more than the Warriors are really concerned about other teams shooting threes. They got burned by that tonight, but I think that's part of that. 888 888-957-9570. 888-957-9570. Let's uh, keep it rolling here with Dave in Fresno on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Dave. Hey, guys. You know, rough rough game. Not going to panic, but one thing for sure, and I've been, this ain't 2020. I've been saying this all season. I think it's time for Draymond Green just to shut up. Shut up with the podcast. Shut up. He does. He does all this talking, flexing. You flex, you got you went two for twelve. I'm tired of the antics. I'm tired of him saying we've been through this before. He writes checks that Curry and Clay have to cash. It's time for him just to go zero dark thirty. Just play. Don't need to hear any more talk. You never hear a peep from Clay, from Curry, from nobody. It's always him. And I know, I know it's how he operates. It's yeah. He has the edge. I get it. But sometimes you just yap a little too much. To have a podcast during the season, like, focus on basketball right now. You're so close to getting another champion. You're going to have plenty of time to talk basketball and sports and be the next Charles Barkley. Trust me, now is not the time. Like, he was talking <laughs> today after the game. Oh, yeah, we've been through this before. <laughs> Stop talking. Stop it. Especially after that game. Please. Please, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Well, I think a lot of that, Dave, and great phone call, Dave. We appreciate it. It's, I mean, that is the quintessential you know, view on Draymond, right? When when you win, it's it's gravy, and he can do whatever he wants. I, and I know when, when you, the Warriors lose, there are a lot of Warrior fans that it does bug them. It does, and that's just mm-hmm. reality. Uh, but I think as far as the postgame comments, and we'll play some of them in the 11 o'clock hour, uh, we'll hit Steve Kerr and Draymond and Clay and hopefully a little bit of Steph Curry here before we call it a night at midnight. But it, it 
I think he's trying to also instill some confidence. Hey, it's okay. No reason to mm-hmm. panic. Long series. Mm-hmm. Um, That's yeah, leadership. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, J.D., I don't think Draymond's the only player, active player who has a podcast. He just draws no. a lot of attention to his because he says things that, uh, that get people excited. That said, he does have to speak with his play starting game two. He's had a lot of excuses for things on his podcast, but he's, he really has to deliver starting game two on the floor and make a few shots. All right, Andrew and Hayward, last call of the hour. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, I just Good. Have a quick point on um, I think when you guys just touched on it on uh, Draymond and Looney playing together, I think I think we cannot have them both on the court. Looney can't be on the court unless Williams is on the court. He cannot be on the court one on one with uh, Al Horford. He cannot move. It seems like Horford is always open in the corner for three. But I also I think. I don't think Poole is ready for this moment. His defense is not there. I have all the confidence in him in the offensive end. He's way too frenetic. But um, I think as, as it comes down, he'll be okay. But I agree. I think they need to run with GP some more. I think Iguodala needs, needs more time. I know people are down on Iguodala. But Iguodala does all the little things right. I mean, that's, that's, that's really all I got. Yeah, thanks for the call. I think Iguodala is going to keep playing, Whitey. And I think Poole's going to keep playing – if there is an adjustment against – the Warriors were getting away with Draymond and Looney a little bit, but against a team as good defensively as the Celtics, maybe not. Quick thought. Uh, yeah, I thought Iguodala played well. I was just really upset with that bad turnover. But overall, considering the nature of his injury and how little he's played of late, he actually played really well tonight. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. Two hours down. we got one hour to come. Quick break. Phone line's still open, 888-957-9570. We'll get to Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. We also have a special guest joining us here next on 95.7 The Game. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. All right, final hour. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. Some post-game sound coming up from downstairs in the interview room here. Game one of the finals goes to the Celtics, 120-108. to But uh, we do have a special guest here, Whitey, joining us. Uh, the one and only Kerry Keating. Quarter, quarter century coach in D1 hoops, of course, at Santa Clara here locally uh, and a lot of other places in the, in the college ranks. Uh, but he's been uh, helping out the fellas over at uh, 
at ABC uh, with their post-game show. And uh, so he, he joins us here on 95.7 The Game. Kerry, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Doing yeah, I was uh, hopping in the car. Realized you guys are still on. If I, I give you guys a shout, say hello. I'm going to run into you in the arena tonight. We'll hook up on Sunday at some point. Just want to say hello and chat a little bit of thoughts from you guys since you've been in the arena a lot more than I have recently. Uh, but good to talk to you guys. Yeah, good. Coach, to, good to see you, Kerry. I, yeah, at one point, at one point, I caught you, and I think I was I was in the midst of actually getting kicked off the floor because I didn't know they were clearing the floor an hour before tip off. I was going to come over and, and say hi to you, and then I I got kind of forced out the other <laughs> the other direction. But I thought, oh yeah, I got to make sure we we hook up at some point. Um, w- when you look at a night like tonight and what the Celtics were able to do in the fourth quarter. Is it is it lousy defense? Is it the Celtics hit a bunch of shots? Hey, do that again. How how do you make sense of the fourth quarter specifically? You know, I was going to ask you guys, having obviously been in the arena and maybe even through the playoff run more than I, uh, I I always I came into this you know six years ago, JD finishing up coaching and you know, obviously starting this mini media career at ninety five seven, little 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 post, little pre. Um, I always had like a, a coaching lens of a feel, and obviously Oracle provided such an unreal feel for what was about to happen. Like you could actually sense when things were happening. But, but, but from a coaching perspective, you also sense when the team was locked in and dialed in. I, I never really got that sense tonight, and I, and I don't know if it was just the time off or, or, or maybe the, 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 you know being at home and the comfort of knowing they haven't lost a game at home in the playoffs yet here. Um, I'm just curious before I even get into that. Did you did you have you had a different feel in the playoff games this year prior to this? That there's just even at halftime, even after Steph's barrage, I never really felt like there was a, a comfort level within the or the, the Warriors on either side. So I'm really not surprised it caught up with them in the fourth quarter. But I just didn't get a sense they were really locked in uh, for any long stretch tonight outside of Steph's you know six threes in the first quarter. Whitey. Um, yeah, that's that's a great point. I know Steve Kerr at one point of uh, talking to the team coach, as you know, he said, "Hey, we're we're in great shape, but it's time for us to respond." And the Warriors were never quite able to respond. A lot of people, coach, are looking at this game. Warrior fans saying, "Ah, you know, Boston, that's great, but they were twenty-one of forty-one. They're not going to shoot that way again." But how much of that the open threes did they create by breaking down the Warrior defense off the dribble in the fourth quarter? Well, and you look back on Horford's threes, and the majority of them are wide open. You know, I think early on with Draymond matched up on Horford, the thought was most likely that he would be in a help position, obviously Tatum and Brown. And, you know, credit to Wiggins for doing his job early. And I, I thought Tatum looked a little out of sorts and maybe in over his head early on and, and, you know, settled down and really only took 17 shots. It doesn't sound like a lot. But when you play over 40 minutes, you're the star player. Um, Credit to him, 13 assists for, for a guy in his first finals appearance to make that adjustment when the shots aren't falling. And then, you know, Whitey, I'm not sure that Al Horford will hit six threes again. Clearly he has never done that before, this being a career high in any circumstance for him. And the bench production of Derek White, completely unexpected. I don't know how sustainable that is. That being said, Tatum didn't score, and they still were able to win this game by a dozen. Whether those two guys show up or not, Still going to fall down to Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, you know, essentially versus Steph Clay and Draymond. The guy that I was concerned about really 
in the production or the lack thereof and, and kind of got a little loose with it was, was Jordan. You know, I, I really was counting on Jordan being more of a bench factor, clearly over the, the advantage over Boston's bench. So, and I think the Warriors have now come to really rely on that, you know, especially now that Porter's back and, and was unsure and Iguodala is going to be limited. Um, Prize not so much in Draymond going two for 12, but that at some point he didn't really, you know, pull the band together and really try to get them mm-hmm. righted when he felt the run coming, even before the lead was relinquished. Because that's really what, what it's going to be about, is Draymond, quarterback in the defense, shots will come and go. But especially at home, you've got to ride your defensive prowess with the best defensive player. And, and I didn't know if Draymond really had that in him tonight, you know, as, as much as we've come, come to know that he does. Kerry Keating joining us here on ninety-five-seven. The game. So, what did you what did you make of Jordan Poole's night? Just just overall. I mean, the Celtics' length and physicality. It really bothered him in the game here in March. In the first half, that game turned into a blowout. He kind of took it over a little bit in the second half, but the game was out of hand. What? How does he get going? Is it just you know bad night first first finals game? It's it's a it's a new stage, or or you think there's maybe a little more something to it? What did, what did you see? I think a little bit of all that, J.D., you know, really uh, got to give a little credit to the Boston defense. They, they really, for right, rightfully so, being the first-ranked defense, and sometimes numbers can be deceiving. But Jordan's game, to me, as much as it, it, it's, it's reliant on his ability to make the three, has really become attacking the basket. I mean, he's, he's adept and has that speed and that burst to get to the rim. And, and they took the it was the length and pressuring the dribble or even a little bit of help. He never got a him. And that's really where his strength is. I mean, that's what it's become, at least for the time being. Boston neutralized that, and I think it frustrated him. I think the moment might have got a little overwhelming because he wasn't in his own comfort zone. It'll be telling to see what level of maturity he really has to make that quick adjustment because – Look, it's a finite number of games, right? There's only seven they can play. You have to win four. It's not like it's a slump or, or, or the middle of the season or you get to an all-star break and you figure it out. You've got to figure it out pretty quick. I mean, I think we can rely on Draymond, Clay, and Steph to come back given their expertise in the past. And certainly, Iguodala can offer some, you know, sage advice. But Jordan's going to have to step up, limit turnovers, make open shots, but really get back to his what's become his strength, which is attacking the basket. Whether or not that, that relies on, you know, Boston kind of breaking down and, and things opening up in the offenses, because there wasn't as much side-to-side offense tonight. The majority of Steph's threes early on were off ball screens or off the dribble. I think that also helps Jordan in, in, in a little bit of ways, too. So an overall offensive shift and getting back to maybe a little bit more movement side-to-side may actually help Jordan. Coach, how difficult is that uh, in the half court to get a lot of traction against the Boston defense, as we saw in the fourth quarter, when they're making shots and you're not able to get into transition against them at all? Nail on the head, Whitey. It's a great point and really kind of segue right into what, 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 what needs to happen. They can't do all those things and do them quickly if the ball's going through the basket on the other end. I mean, obviously transition offense normally starts with stops. And even when if you're trying to maintain a leader, come back, but, but in the normal course of the game, you've got to predicate. And, they, and look, early on, you saw Draymond getting offensive defensive rebounds. They wanted to push the pace. Even when the ball's in Steph's hands, they don't have to worry about that. The pace can create itself, and it was early on in that first quarter. 
I think it's it's a it's a valid point and one that we're probably going to see at the outset in game two is really a, a, an overarching defensive emphasis to help the offense. You can't let Boston put you in half-court defense. They've shown that they have the ability to neutralize any offense, even the Warriors' offense. But no defense is as good in transition as it is in half-court by and large. That certainly is true with Boston. So you've got to push the pace in transition, but it has to start with stops. And, again, that's where I go back. That's where Draymond needs to reestablish himself and really lay the law down be that defensive you know, mindset and that defensive captain, if you will, and get this team back on track. And I think that'll all start on the defensive and lead the offense. Coach, let me ask you about Gary Payton II. I was surprised after he was cleared uh, to play and available to play that, that he did not play uh, in the game tonight. And Steve Kerr basically played an eight-man rotation. Really, you know, all only played 12 minutes as, as the eighth man. W- what does it tell you about Peyton's overall health that he was available but still not used when he's been as valuable as he's been when he has been available? Yeah, I, I hate to think that it's a you know break class in case of emergency situation, but he, he, he's got the defensive chops, you know, and, and, and it was of need tonight in some way, shape, or form, even if it was just a spark now. That may not have been the case. Does, does he does he not want the Celtics coach to, to to maybe know he can't like how limited he is offensively just yet? You yeah, think maybe that's part of it? it, it, it that may, that may be part of it, but but they really didn't need him for the first forty minutes, and then it's almost too little, too late. You don't want to put him in that situation in the last eight where it's just a barrage. So I would expect that we'd see him maybe early in the first, maybe first half minutes. In, the, in game two, especially if the defense is kind of flowing and they can plug and play and, and get a matchup that they like with him to neutralize on the perimeter. Well, look, Gary Payton, too, can guard Derek White. I mean, I, I'm just going to, you know, that, 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 that's a fact. And the fact that they couldn't get to that point may, may lead to what you're saying, J.D. Maybe he's not quite ready, and maybe offensively he's more of a liability because of the left arm injury. Defensively, I think he can, he can function, but... They're going to have to make sure their defense is intact, and if there's one guy that can help that on top of these guys already in place, it's GP2. So I I would expect we'd see him on the floor on game two. Yeah, and then the other part is kind of what we were already talking about with Draymond and Looney, and those two are out there together, and that makes it easier for the Celtics to guard them, and then maybe Iguodala's out there and Peyton, and then now now all of a sudden you've got four guys that might be limited in terms of the ability to score. Yeah, I mean, you saw how they're guarding Draymond, and he was basically just chasing, you know, dribble handoffs and screens around for for Clay and Steph at points because they're going to leave him open. I mean, they're they're, they're going to let Draymond shoot the ball. I mean, clearly they're going to play off and, and, and drop so that they don't get any turn the corner uh, action off those handoffs. Um, but yeah, you can't you can't have sixty percent of the of the guys on the floor not able to really stretch or punish the defense. So it does limit you somewhat. But, again, goes back to what Whitey opened up with J.D. If transition is the case, then, then it's less of an issue. Because you can finish the transition. Obviously, Draymond transition. So it's kind of a chicken or the egg in terms of what those lineups produce in terms of how the starting unit establishes the defense early on. If the defense gets established early on, I think you may, may be afforded the opportunity to play you know, two or three of those guys together, regardless of the offense, especially if Steph and Clay are going early. Because if the defense is driving the offense and they're successful to stop in Boston, then they can neutralize that Boston defense by getting out of transition. So 
it's a little bit of a chess match, you know, internally. And I'm curious to see how Steve establishes that in quarter one for game two on Sunday. Kerry, great stuff, man. Appreciate you, you calling in, and uh, we'll definitely catch up on Sunday out here. Look forward to it. Whitey, J.D., great to talk to you guys, man. All right, Kerry Keating Thanks, joining Josh. us here on 95.7 The Game. Always good to get the coaching perspective on things following this ball game as the Celtics take game one with the big fourth quarter over the Warriors. 120-108 the final, 40-16. to Yeesh, every time you say it, I think it hits a little harder. 40-16 to <laughs> Boston in the fourth quarter of this one. We're going to hear a couple of minutes of Steve Kerr as he met with the media uh, downstairs after this ball game, uh, but also... Uh, let's get to our shot of the game brought to you by the County of Santa Clara. Curry circles, middle, guarded by Tatum, off the screen by Porter Jr. Curry gets a look, fires, and that's another one! 21 points in the first quarter, 6 of 7 beyond the arc, number 30 is back in the finals. Yeah, an incredible. I, I called it an iconic first quarter for Stephen Curry mm-hmm. uh, with the 21 points there. 5 of 14 from that point. But, yeah, Steph was on it. And the 21 points, the most by a player in a first quarter of an NBA Finals game in the last 50 years. Your shot of the game there presented by the County of Santa Clara. Book a COVID-19 booster shot now at sccfreevax.org or you can call... Two one one. Let's go ahead and hear from the head coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr. He met with the media following this ball game, and uh, here's what he had to say about the collapse and where the Warriors are at in uh, unfamiliar territory, down 0-1 in a series. Why did you guys have trouble making stops in the fourth quarter? Well, give them credit. I mean, they made 21 threes. You know, they were moving the ball really well, and uh, they they had us on our heels. They made a, a good push, you know, to start the fourth, and they kept that momentum going. It's going to be tough to beat Boston if, if they're making 21 threes and they're getting, you know, a combined 11 from, you know, Horford and White. Um, you know, the, those guys um, give them credit. They knocked down every big shot in the fourth quarter. They Boston was uh, just played a brilliant quarter, and they, they came in and earned the win. You uh, played Andre, obviously, today, big minutes. And what did you think of his performance out there? And what does he bring to your team that you didn't have? Well, we, we played him 12 minutes, so I, I wouldn't call it big minutes. But um, Andre was great. You know, he's got finals experience. You know, he, uh, he gets us settled down. He's a great defender. So I thought Andre did a really good job out there. Yeah, they jump out to the 7 nothing uh, third quarter start without Steph. You get Steph back in, you're still up, and it almost went even faster. Did you sense a loss of composure, loss of focus? What, what do you think happened just in those moments? I thought we had, uh, we had a couple turnovers, a couple bad possessions offensively, and they, they just pounced. You know, they took advantage of, of every opportunity. They moved the ball well, and like I said, you make five, six threes in a row in the fourth quarter. That's, that's tough, to, tough to overcome, so... You know, we'll watch the tape and, and learn from it and see what we can do better. Uh, my, my gut reaction, just what I just witnessed, was they just came in, played a hell of a fourth quarter, and, and you got to give them credit. And um, it's pretty much as simple as that. How challenging did, did you find it at times offensively to score against them? And, I mean, I know going in, you, you knew how good they were defensively, but what just specifically made it tough tonight? Well, they've got good size and, and uh, uh, athleticism, you know, at, at, uh, at every position pretty much. So they, they put a lot of pressure on you, but uh, I thought we had some really good moments. Um, you know, we had 38 in the third quarter. We had a good run there. 
Uh, it was mainly the fourth quarter that got us. So um, we feel confident with our ability to, to score against them. But like I said, you give up 40 in the fourth and the other team makes 21 threes, um, it's going to be tough to win. Hey, Steve, I want to ask you about the, the shot dis, uh, disparaging, the shot spread out among the team. Specifically, Jordan Poole only had seven shots. Uh, do you think you need to do more to get um, him some open looks, or do you think it's upon him to just be more aggressive? Yeah, we'll, we'll watch the tape, and we'll see you know, what, we, what we need to do. Uh, I thought they'd, uh, Boston did a good job on, on Jordan, put a lot of pressure on him, and uh, there's probably some things that we can do uh, to help free him up. And then, you know, he, he's, a, he's a hell of a player, so he'll bounce back and, and play better, too. You held Tatum largely in check. I think it was 3 of 17. Was that the, basically the game plan going in that you're going to concede Derek White, Al Horford taking those shots, and they just happen to hit him tonight? You never go in conceding shots. You know, you, 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 you kind of have a, uh, a scouting report on each player. You know who you're going to close out hot to, who's your, who you're going to close out short to, all that stuff. Uh, it felt to me like we, uh, we didn't close out very well uh, in the first half, and that allowed them to get going a little bit. Um, but again, got to watch the tape and see, um, you know, see where the breakdowns occurred. It's not just your team, but why do you think that there's been such wild disparities of play, not only from game to game in these playoffs, but from quarter to quarter? I think the three-point shot has a lot to do with that. I mean, you saw, I don't know how many they made in the fourth. Somebody in here probably knows they make seven or eight threes in the fourth quarter. So, you know, that's, uh, it, I think it has everything to do with the three-point shot. It's, uh, you didn't see these kind of swings even a decade ago because you didn't have teams that could make threes from, from every position and, you know, teams that, uh, you know, could string together a number of threes like like most teams can these days so i think that's that's probably the answer uh, steve om young was like espn uh we were talking pregame about how you guys aren't in this position very often losing game one how would you describe what the team is feeling right now well obviously you know everybody's down you want to you want to go out and uh, win the first one and uh, we had every opportunity you know 12 point lead going into the fourth so guys are bummed uh, as you would expect um, but uh, it's a uh, it's a seven game series for a reason um, i think you give boston credit they came in there and and uh, and earned the win played a great fourth quarter we'll come in watch uh, watch the film tomorrow and see where we can get better you know it's it's one game so you you move on to the next one Steve, just picking up on, on Ohm's question, the, the record in game ones prior to this was meant you guys were always in control early. How does it change things, do you think, whether it's uh, game plan, attitude, mentality, whatever, playing from behind in a series like this uh, in a way that you haven't before? It's different, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, when you, when you win game one at home, you know, there's a, there's a, a sense of comfort and, a, you know, you kind of have a feel for your opponent at that point and make your adjustments. And, you know, so it's, it's a different feeling. Obviously, you go into game two with, uh, you know, more of a sense of desperation. But that's all part of this stuff. You know, we've, uh, we've been in this position before and, um, you know, we've won series where we've, where we've lost uh, the first game. You know, you just uh, we've 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 won a road game, at least one road game, and I don't know how many consecutive series. Um, so you always kind of assume you're going to have to win on the road to win a playoff series. So it's a different feeling, but it's you know it's still first one to four.
You guys won the third quarter by 14. What are the things you want to take from that quarter? Obviously, you couldn't take into the fourth tonight, but what are the things you want to take from that quarter and move into the future games? Yeah, I thought the third was great for us. Uh, we moved the ball. We got offensive rebounds. Uh, we shared it. We got... Um, you know, some, some really good looks against their defense. Because we were the aggressor, we kind of tied the game together. You know, good defense led to good offense and, and vice versa. And then in the fourth, that flipped. I thought we had some poor offensive possessions, and that led to some transition hoops for them, and that uh, that changed the game. A couple of notes there from Steve Kerr just on being down 0-1 in a series. It's happened twice. This is the third time the Warriors have lost game one. They've never been down 0-2 in a playoff series, and uh, Steve Kerr didn't have the number. We'll pass it along to you, Whitey. 26 consecutive series, the Warriors have won a road game. That goes all the way back to 2012-13, the first playoff series that Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green played together with Mark Jackson as the head coach. And uh, so the Warriors are 1-1 one and one in the two series where they've trailed mm-hmm. 0-1. They did come back and beat Oklahoma City in the conference finals of 2016. They lost in the NBA finals when they dropped game one in Toronto three years ago. One of the reasons this is so disappointing for the Warriors, aside from the obvious, is they they lost something pretty significant tonight. I know they lost a game. Doesn't mean they can't come back and win the series. But they have all this experience, 120-something combined games of finals experience. Mm -hmm. Boston had none. And then when you lose a lead at home to that team, then guess what? As far as the whole intimidation of the finals, that's gone for Boston. It's like, we won the first game. We came from behind. We we dominated you in the fourth quarter on your home floor. So, again, I'm not saying Boston is going to win the series, definitely. But the Warriors did lose something tonight, that whole advantage of we've been here before, we got the home court. That's gone after tonight. Yeah, and I think there was also an, a, a belief that the Warriors had a fatigue advantage tonight, too. Not playing for a week with the Celtics playing the, the grinder yeah, seven-game yeah. series that, that they had to play against Miami in a couple of days off. And, and now the Celtics have that in two days now between game one and game two and two days between game two and game three. And, and it'll be two, ga- two days between each game except for between three and four as long as this thing goes. So he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. We'll come back. 888-957-9570. We'll hear from Steph Curry. We'll hear from Draymond Green between now and midnight as the Celtics get the jump on the Warriors, 120-108. to And you heard it right here on 95.7 The Game. Back to Curry, right corner, quick release, no splash. Looney, offensive rebound to Wiggins, left side, triple. Got it! Looney does it again. Wiggins, that was 16-8 in the corner. The Warriors are back up by seven. Now back to Warriors wrap-up on 95-7 The Game. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. An NBA record tonight, Whitey. 21 threes for the Celtics, 19 for the Warriors. So 40 combined Mm three-pointers, most three-pointers in an NBA Finals game ever. Uh, as the two teams combine for 40. And and I think you know, before we hear from some of the players here to, to close things out on this Thursday, really high-level game, I thought. And and the Warriors did have the collapse in the fourth quarter, but but the first half I thought both teams back and forth, a lot of, lot of, lot of high-end talent on the court and and two pretty, pretty high-level teams uh, in this one. Th- this has the makings. I, I know Warrior fans are, are bummed about tonight, but this really does have the makings of being a, a, a big-time 
lengthy series that's that's going to have some some pretty high drama as it goes on. Disappointing night for Warrior fans, but a, yeah, great night for basketball. The Warriors are back in the finals. The Boston Globe's Don, excuse me, Dan Shaughnessy says this was everything an NBA Finals game should be. Lots to talk about, lots to unpack. Going to be a, a very interesting series. And, you know, history made tonight, J.D., first time an NBA Finals game was ever played in San Francisco proper. They have had games in uh, the Cal Palace, Daly City, but this is the first time an NBA Finals game was played in the city of San Francisco. Yeah, and uh, what did you what did you think? I'll give you my thoughts, but how, how from uh, – what was your view on just kind of the crowd tonight? I thought it took them a little bit to get into it. Uh, it it seemed like there were there were people in their seats more maybe at six than than had been the case in the the conference finals with those games starting at six. But it was a a crowd that was into it and and certainly into Steph Curry's big first quarter. But at at times where maybe the Warriors needed a little bit of a push, they they were kind of waiting for the Warriors to maybe do something instead. Yeah, I think like, uh, you know, we've heard it all night long on our show. I think the crowd there was a little stunned by that fourth quarter when things tilted so drastically Boston's way. I think it was a little surprising, took some of the uh, some of the zest out of out of the fans. I also thought it was interesting that from the opening tip, they were booing uh, Marcus Smart. But I guess they gave up, gave up on that kind of early. Yeah, gave up on that, I think, because Smart was well, Smart got the last laugh on that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, for 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 the Warriors uh, in in this one, uh, let let's go ahead and hear from Steph Curry as as he addressed the media. Big first quarter, thirty four point night. Uh, as he talked about the Warriors and the collapse in that fourth quarter, forty to sixteen, and and what they have to do to even things up on Sunday. Steph, you guys have not trailed in a playoff series this season until now. Uh, What's the confidence level after and, and, and the way it happened to, to give up a, a pretty big lead in, in that kind of avalanche in the fourth quarter? It's not ideal, but um, believing who we are, how we deal with adversity, how we responded all year, how we responded in the playoffs after a loss. So learn a lot from that fourth quarter. Obviously, they made a lot of shots. Seemed like they missed until deep into the fourth. And, you know, when you have a team that just finds a little bit of momentum like they did and they keep making shots. It's tough to kind of regain that momentum. And the guys that are making shots, obviously, Al, Marcus, Derek White, Jalen early in the fourth, they play well. So we know they're a good team. So are we. We got to respond on, on Sunday. Dallas was obviously, like, you know, very thirsty to shoot threes at all times. Boston, you know, maybe doesn't operate that way. But um, do you feel like just defensively maybe you could, because coming off the Dallas series, you guys sagged off more than you should, you know, believing that you weren't facing that type of attack? Or I guess just what do you think happened with all those wide-open threes? I mean, rotations might have been a little slow. You obviously have to – Pick and choose where you send attention. Jalen and Jason have the ball in their hands a lot, and they try to create confusion with pick and rolls, putting a lot of different people in them. And Al was spaced, you know, most of the game. And, you know, when he's making shots like that and you're you're slow to rotate, it's just another threat that you got to worry about. And obviously, you know, 26 points, six for eight, like that's, uh, that's tough. And even Derek, you know, scoring 20-plus and five threes. So those two guys are key. And... You hope they don't stay that hot, but you also have to do something about it, and we got to figure that out and watch the film, uh, you know, tomorrow and Saturday. You started this uh, this game pretty aggressive. I think you scored twenty one in the first. Um, what tone were you trying to set uh, going into this series? 
Just playing aggressive, knowing, you know, playing the way I know how to play. I found a lot of space, obviously, in the first quarter and just was trying to ride that wave as long as I could. And, you know, they're obviously a good defensive team, but we created enough good looks offensively, you know, to win win the game tonight. Just couldn't get enough stops and, you know, let that lead melted away in the fourth. So it's uh, there's a lot of bright spots to how we play. Got to get over the tough feeling of letting one slip away. Steph, what did it mean to have Otto back and just Andre's influence, um, just to give you guys some reinforcements there and, and two key people in, in, in your rotation? It's huge to have you know options and have our guys back. It's the benefit of uh, finishing the series like we did. And, you know, they, they both made their presence felt, you know, times throughout the game. So, again, it's how we do things, and it's, it was nice to have them out there. I think, you know, we all as a whole understand there might be different lineups out there based on, you know, or different than last last series. So we got to continue to try to build that chemistry, understand what we're doing on offense, especially when, uh, you know, things kind of, slow down a little bit. Jeff, Jordan's obviously had a, some really good moments in this postseason, but maybe tonight was not one of them. Where did you think his game was? It was, a, you know, I think Kerr mentioned that they were playing him pretty physically. Did you see that? Did you see him getting a little bit off his game? You're comparing the numbers that he's capable of and the way that he can play make and all that, and it's tough when you're switching series to, to feel out, you know, how a team's going to guard him and just making the right reads and slowing down a little bit, so... You know, it's his first finals game, and, you know, there's a lot of adrenaline, a lot of nerves and all that, but, you know, he'll settle in, and and uh, we all will play better game two. And uh, and like I said, respond. So we've done it before and got a lot of confidence we can do it, even, you know, based on how tonight went. Boston's had a tougher road getting to this point, seven-game series against Milwaukee, seven-game series against Miami. Do you almost feel like they were prepared to be resilient coming into tonight? You had the early flurry, they came back. You guys had the third quarter flurry, they, you know, came back and took over the game in the fourth. I mean, I'm sure those experiences helped, but they also have a lot of veterans that have been around a good amount and had some some tests and battles. And it's also kind of when you look up and the way that the game had went from from start to the beginning of the fourth quarter. They went on like a little 7-0 run to start the fourth. They look up and it's only five points. You know, those guys, none of them have been in the finals before. And we've been on the other side where you look up like, oh, we in this game. And that confidence is contagious. And they started making shots. So those little momentum swings that you can, you know, step on the gas and really take a team's confidence away, you have to capitalize on that. And we didn't do that to end the third quarter, that last minute or, minute or so, and then to start the fourth quarter. And then you just live and die by the shots that they can make. And uh, they got us tonight on that. So I'm sure those experience helped, but we could do something about it. Steph, you had a couple of, uh, you guys had a couple of droughts, second quarter, fourth quarter scoring. Is it tougher? Did it become tougher to create shots after they switched whatever they were doing on you when they were giving you uh, a lot of space in the first quarter? I mean, a little bit. They obviously made adjustments, but it was also we got a little rushed and didn't. I don't think we were smart enough in some of those situations to try to find the right matchups and try to create the right shots. And then it's also tough because you're taking the ball out of the basket, you know, the way that they were shooting the ball. So there's a combination of both. We obviously scored enough to win, 
is just make 21 threes and some guys who you know, had career nights shooting the ball. That was really the difference based on how it felt out on the court. Obviously, we'll watch film and see where some of those offensive you know, mistakes or droughts happen. But score 108, you got enough to, enough to win. You got to get stops. Uh, Robert Littal, BS. So when you start off kind of following up on this question, when you start off that that hot, uh, is there an urge to maybe say, hey, I want to kind of roll that into the second quarter. I want to roll that into the fourth quarter. Or is it just kind of trusting the rotations and then trying to get that rhythm back when you do come back in? It's the latter, but it's also understanding, you know, how this series develops. At most, we only got six games left, so... Uh, make make the necessary adjustments. And, you know, like I said, it's about winning four games by any means necessary. And for 42 minutes, we did enough to win the game tonight. That's not how the basketball works. So uh, I think everything starts to become on the table when you look at trying to get ourselves back in the series on Sunday and taking it from there. Hey, Steph, uh, to the point that you made earlier about how you like how the guys handle adversity, what do you think have been the key things that you guys have done after losses this season? I can apply to this uh, upcoming game. Just being honest about, you know, what went wrong and holding each other accountable and coming out with a level of effort and desperation that we need uh, to protect our home core on Sunday and gain some momentum in the series. So obviously our core, we've been through this a couple times, losing the first game of the series, but we've we've obviously had some some tough losses in, in, a, in a series and you find a way to bounce back. So you got to rely on that experience, but it's also just making the necessary game plan adjustments and coming out with a, a, a focused effort. Everybody can kind of, you know, feel like they're going to impact the game at some point. Robert Williams had four blocks. He's had that last two games against you guys. What makes them just a tough defense to kind of drive and score in the paint against? I mean, that's, that's his skill set in the league. He's an amazing rim protector, especially when he's off the ball. He can kind of roam a little bit. He comes out of nowhere, um, can contest shots to the rim. It's also just feeling him in space, too, because he got, I think he blocked one of my threes at one point, um, just because you kind of underestimate his length. But that's the beauty of this series. And looking forward to playing a, a team like that and a guy like that. Um, the adjustments of what it felt like out there, what the looks were, were, where we got in trouble a little bit and making the necessary adjustments for the next game. Because uh, usually in the regular season, you like I will see y'all at some point and it's a, it's a different experience. So um, we'll be ready for, for Sunday. All right, so Steph Curry there uh, talking about being ready for Sunday. And uh, I think quietly confident. Uh, that, that his team will be able to bounce back and, and some things that they can do to, to change some of what Boston was, was able to do to them, uh, stymieing them really in the fourth quarter, but also getting so many open looks from three themselves, in particular in that fourth quarter, Whitey. It was interesting because Steph said something about coming out in game two with the necessary level of desperation, and that was the only time I heard anything from any of the Warriors after the game that remotely came close to addressing any desperation. They're, they're very confident. I thought it was interesting, Steve Kerr, and Steph kind of touched on this too. Steve Kerr said they're going to be tough to beat if they're going to make 21-3. So on the one hand, mm-hmm. he's you know giving, giving Boston their due, and he's also telling his team they ain't going to make 21-3. So I thought that was really interesting. I would think, J.D., wouldn't you, that if you're Boston and you look at Steph's numbers, even though he scored 34 after the first quarter, he was 5 for 16, 1 of 6 beyond the arc. And look, I know he had a fine game and he carried the offense. But I think if you're Boston and you look at that, and overall you probably say, you know what? After we figured some things out, we didn't stay attached to him in the first quarter. But overall, we did a decent job against Steph Curry. 
Yeah, I, I think they probably do feel that way. That, hey, Steph is going to go off at times in this series because he's Steph and he's just that good. And yet yeah. they were able to kind of kind of hang in the game while he was doing it. I mean, that was sort of my biggest takeaway from the first half. And look, the Warriors wound up building the big lead because of the third quarter, 38-24 Warriors in the third. But I, I thought the story of the first half was was Steph, number one, in that 21-point first quarter. But I thought the, the next storyline, or maybe even what became the predominant storyline, was the fact that the Celtics had the lead, even though Steph had that quarter, which you just don't see. Yeah, it was 47-37. to 37. The Warriors were cruising, and then, boom, Boston goes on that 10-0 run. And one of the most impressive things of the whole night to me, J.D., was the fact that after three quarters, you know, you were there. You know Chase is getting ready to celebrate, like, this is going to be great. Place is starting to really vibrate. And then there are the Celtics. They're down 12, and they had the wherewithal to come all the way back and win that thing going away for a team that had never been in the finals. And they really imposed their will on the Warriors in that fourth quarter. And yeah, they made a lot of shots. They probably won't shoot that way. But look, let's face it. That was a very disappointing night for the Warriors and Warrior fans. But that was very impressive the way the Celtics did that uh, in the fourth quarter in their first finals game. All right, let's uh, go ahead and hear from from Draymond Green uh, following the ball game here and get uh, his take. Always an animated uh, Draymond Green, but uh, had perspective on how the Warriors can attempt to even this series after the loss tonight. You gave yourself a lot of time to rest. From Boston's perspective, when they end their series in seven, they come in in rhythm. When you look at this game from your perspective, did it just come down to the threes that they hit in the fourth quarter, or do you think that rhythm was a factor? No, I think um, stay within striking distance, and you know they made shots late. You know, we'll be fine. We'll f- figure out the ways we can stop them from getting those threes and take them away. But you no, know, I don't think it was a rhythm thing. We pretty much dominated the game for the first 41, 42 minutes, so we'll be fine. Yeah, several of Al Horford's threes were, were wide open. I mean, do, what do you guys need to do better there? I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll figure it out. Uh, watch some film, but. You know, they have guys that put pressure on the rim. So you're going to have to rotate and help. And we'll have to figure out where our next rotation is coming from and and do it. But they hit 21 threes. And Marcus Smart, Al Horford, and Derek White combined for 15 of them. Guys are good shooters. But they combined for, what, 15 out of 8. Where's Smart? 7, 8, 15 for 23. 8, 7, and 8. 8, 7, and 8. Yeah, that's 23, right? Yeah. 15 for 23 from those guys. Yeah, you know, so be fine. Draymond, you've mentioned a couple times now that you know it, it's you played pretty good. You've not been down in a series though in these playoffs. Is it a little hit to the confidence? Is it a little bit like, wait a minute, this is a little different here? No, it's fine. You know, you get a chance to do something else, do it in a different way, embrace the challenge. And we've always embraced challenges. It's no different. We've embraced this one. So no, it's not a hit to the confidence at all. Not one bit. Being your six finals, and this is a game one. Speaking of that confidence, is that what kind of leads it to, you know, you being very relaxed, it's a long series, you're not too worried about that, and then you're shooting, is that just something like you figure it was just a fluke game and won't happen again going forward? Whether you win every game at home, you still want to win one on the road. In our history, we've always won one on the road, so it's just nothing to panic about. It's the first team to win four games, not the first to win one, so I think that's where the confidence comes from, is just understanding that, and, and as far as the shooting are you talking about me personally or us as a team? You know, I missed some bunnies. My threes felt good. So 
I'll continue to stay aggressive. They'll fall. You know, tonight they didn't. What kind of lifted having Otto and Andre back on the court provide? It's huge. Um, you know, they both gave us great minutes. Now it's on me to play better. But, you know, to have those guys back, um, Otto played really well. He shot the ball really well. Andre played well also in, in the minutes that he had. They did their part. I, I just have to do mine. In the fourth quarter, they looked to have more energy. How much of that was just making shots and how much of that was the early turnovers that they got from you guys? Yeah, I think when you're making shots, that's a boost. And when you're missing shots, it's a Debbie Downer. And that's kind of what it was. They made them, we missed them. And, you know, sometimes you can allow missed shots to drag your defense down. I think a little bit of that happened in the fourth quarter as well. So, yeah, you got to give them credit. They made the shots when they needed to make them. Does a game like this speak to maybe the margin of error that you guys don't have compared to the last two series that you were in? I don't think in any NBA Finals you're going to have a margin of error, and uh, that's you know that's what this this team has to understand. You know when you get to this um, when you get to this point in the season, this level, uh, there is no margin for error. It's two great teams, and the team that makes the less mistakes are going to win the game, and they did that. So. You know, they had 21 points off our 14 turnovers. We had 10 off their 13. So there is no margin of error for, for either team. See a lack of focus? Nah, I didn't see a lack of focus. You don't get up 15 points with a lack of focus. So they're a great team. They, they made a run, and we didn't stop the bleeding soon enough. Kept hitting shots. A lot was made out of the, uh, the Celtics defense coming into the series. Draymond, as a defensive specialist expert, what was your take on how they played on that side of the ball? And what kind of problems did they uh, present for the Warriors? Uh, they got a good defense. We knew that coming in. Uh, there was no surprises. Um, we know what they want to get to on the defensive side and how they like to play. They know what we're trying to get to. So, yeah, no surprises. They are who we thought they were. You know, now we'll watch the clips, watch the film, and figure out what we need to do to attack it. All right, quick thought to you, Whitey, on, on what Draymond had to say there, and then we'll uh, go ahead and hear a, a couple of minutes from Clay Thompson and uh, call it a night on that note. Just interesting, Draymond and Steph and Steve Kerr all had kind of the same tone, which is, yeah, you know, we're, we're fine. We're nothing to worry about. And I think the company line here clearly is they made a lot of shots tonight. Draymond, I think, maybe overstated it when he said we dominated for three quarters. But clearly, yeah. that's the worst takeaway from this game is they made a lot of shots or we would have won the game. Right, and I, I push back on the dominated for, for three-quarters mm-hmm. part. But, but again, it's just it comes back to, for me, a game you just don't see the Warriors right. uh, typically typically lose. Uh, let's go ahead and hear from Clay. I'm, I'm really curious to, to hear his demeanor because at times, again, when, when the shots haven't been fallen, when maybe he hasn't gotten the ball as much as, as he would like to get into a rhythm, he really has been, I think, visibly frustrated on the court. So let's hear how he was post-game uh, following this one. Hey, Clay, what, what did you think happened in the fourth quarter there? You have the nice lead. I think things were looking pretty good for you. And then what, what happened? I think we had some costly turnovers. I mean, I missed a couple great looks. And then they got some great looks from three. That kind of blew the lid open from, for them. And uh, you go 51% on 41 shots from the perimeter. It's hard to beat a team that way. Moving forward, what do you think it's going to uh, take to withstand when they go on those runs? Just uh, trusting each other on both sides of the ball. You know, I missed some rotations. We just got to be better as, as far as being on the strength together and moving and hitting the open man. Uh, it was a tough loss, especially the way we did lose. 
you know, squandering a 15-point lead, very, very rare for us. So it's not the end of the world. Regroup tomorrow and bring a much better effort on Sunday. Yeah, without looking at the tape, obviously, I mean, do you do you feel comfortable with the threes you gave up, you know, to who you gave them up to, or did you feel like, you know, there was a lot of defensive breakdowns within that? Uh, no, because they were great looks for them. And, but when you, you know, as a shooter, when you hit a couple open shots and when the guy's in your face, it doesn't, you know, you got the rhythm going, so it's easier to make those. So we just got to take out those guys who were very effective from the perimeter tonight going forward. Clay, when you start the finals with a deficit, what's the value of having so many veterans in the locker room who have been on this stage before to help usher you guys through this moment? You know, it's first of four, not first of one. And we all have been through situations like this, and we realize that it will take, it's going to be very hard. The best part about it is, you know, we have another opportunity Sunday. Um, Draymond talks about not pushing the panic button after a game like this. You guys are in control for most of the game until the fourth quarter. Just what is yeah. the general attitude? a team after a meltdown kind of like that well uh it's never fun and it hurts on the biggest stage obviously like draymond said there's no reason to panic i like our chances still and we'll go home and we'll digest what happened and i i know we'll be better game two what do you remember specifically you guys have only been in the situation two times before what do you remember how you guys responded after losing a game one i remember putting it past us uh there's no reason to hold on to a loss when you have a, another game so soon and I remember watching film and realizing there's many things we can do better and applying those strategies. So it's pretty simple, and uh, I, know, I just know we'll be better. Game two, I'll be better. Clay, uh, when you when Kerr took you guys all out at the end, he kind of went down the row and gave each one of you a hand, you know, fist bump and kind of a, a half hug. And I think you were involved in that. What was the message <clears throat> communicated there? Just Steve knows how hard it is. I mean, he's been through this his career and coaching career and we stick together through the thick and thin wins and losses we're not going to splinter because we didn't play like we wanted to we're just going to continue to play as hard as we can and and I just know if we do that we'll be better they seem to have more pep in the fourth quarter how much of that was because they were making shots and getting turnovers and how much of that was just something other something else going on that was definitely because we were turning it over and they were getting good looks I mean ask any basketball player when you get great looks three everything else feels easy so it's on us to be better sunday and play with more force on the defensive end and not let them get so comfortable yeah so clay thompson they're playing with more force defensively what what did you make of the fist bump i know on social media when kurt took everybody out that had drew the ire of of some warrior fans whitey we had a few texts about it like you know why the fist bump you know when it's such a demoralizing moment what what did you think of that I'm not a huge fan of it, but just trying to figure out the reasoning. I think it's another acknowledgement that, hey, you know what? This is great that we're here. It's a great accomplishment that we're here, and we're just beginning our fight here. So I think bottom line is, you know, it was such a disappointing loss. I think that's Steve Kerr trying to make sure no one gets discouraged. And it sounds like from everything we heard post game, uh, the Warriors may be a little concerned, but they don't sound the least bit discouraged after a very, you know, you could understand you'd be discouraged after a loss like that. Yeah, and they have been in this position a couple of times before, at least the Steph Clay, Draymond, uh, Steve Kerr, Igadala portion of the mm-hmm. of the, the the group has been through it a couple of times before with with varying results. Though the one thing, Whitey, to close it on this note, the one thing the Warriors have not faced at any point in the Steph Clay Draymond era, it's a two zero deficit. So game 
two on Sunday is huge. Uh, but the Warriors have shown an ability to be able to get that game, especially at home, uh, like like a lot of teams are able to do. Yeah, the only guy who let the D-word desperation slip was Steph, but there's no question the Warriors will have to bring uh, an appropriate level of desperation to Game 2. All right, Whitey, good stuff as always. My man, three hours just flying by here on a Thursday night, Game 1 of the Finals in the books. Uh, we'll talk again on Saturday, full four yes. hours of Warriors this week. Uh, as we get you set up for Game 2, and then we're going to have uh, Warriors live at 3 o'clock on Sunday as well, and then back together again following Game 2. So looking forward to it, my man. Yeah, thanks, J.D. Looking forward to the finals. This is awesome. All right, for Whitey Gleason, I'm John Dickinson. Thanks to Sterling Bennett. Thanks to uh, Craig Valentino and everybody in our San Francisco studios. Uh, we're back Saturday. Keep it locked here to 95.7 The Game. Morning Roast, Willard and Dibs, Steiny and Guru, Damon and Ratto, all morning and on into the afternoon tomorrow. We're going to be talking about this one. So, Warriors, take it on the chin, 120 to 108. We'll talk to you on Sunday for Game 2, right here from Chase Center on 95.7 The Game. Good night. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.